now this this is where I'm hitting record. I always do this so I can get a little bit of a sound bite at the start of the show. This I have to hear. Wexford defeat oh. the Nazis. Oh no, this is no joke, right? So we we're just before we started recording there. Just to give our listeners there um, a little insight. Basically, uh, Simon here is from a little place called Campile, just outside New Ross and Hodo Exford. And I was explaining to him, or I was just saying to him there about the big rock there where a, a World War II bomb was dropped on it. And I was giving him the story, basically, of, you know, Hitler dropped this bomb and what have you. But after that happened, Wexford County Council decided that they needed to go along and they needed to, you know, have a plan in place. And when I heard this when I was in secondary school, I was thinking, oh my goodness, you know, Jesus, are you know, are they going to start investing the arms or, you know, are they going to start blocking the beaches or what have you? This is no joke and you can give this a Google. Wexford County Council's plan to stop a German invasion, okay, was to turn all the signs in the county backwards. <laughs> Seriously. So, you know, New Ross might be right, none of this, which is to the left. My God, the Germans, they couldn't figure out like that, you know. Forget Stalin and his scorched earth theory. And this, this plan of just fucking lay everything out. No, no, extra county council. Turn the signs the other way, lads. Greetings, everyone, within the sound of my voice, and welcome along to your weekly dose of nostalgia and hilarity as we embark on the audible journey that is Reeling in Your Ears, the show which chronologically critiques, laughs at, pines for, and discusses years gone by, as featured in Reeling in the Years. To join me, as always, the man who can't be moved, the man who sold the world, the man they call Simon Chadwick. Hey, Kieran, how are you getting on? Sure, all good. Uh, as previously discussed, I'm currently uh, drinking wine. Uh, it's it's only like cheap Tesco wine. Um, you know how it is. You, you go out and you do the old Christmas shop. Did that last week and uh, picked up a bottle of Tesco's finest. Um, and, you know, it fits nicely. The, the whole bottle fits nicely in my wife's gin glass. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big wine drinker. Kind of cuts the stomach out of me. But I thought, you know what? I'm kind of sick of drinking whiskey. I'm sick of drinking lager. So I thought... We'll give it a shot. It's actually quite nice. I should have uh, looked at it before I threw away, threw away the bottle. Are you, are you, are you ready for Christmas? Are you prepared? Have you done your shopping? Uh, no, not a thing. Uh, <laughs> no, not done nothing. I uh, can't believe it's the 10th of December. I feel like it's mid-November. So no, I, I, I would be a last-minute shopper. Uh, oh, no. Anyway, but uh, but um, yeah, no, nothing. Not, not, nothing done. Um, my, my partner put up the, she put up the uh, Christmas lights today. Uh, so before that, we didn't even have any Christmas like decorations or anything like that up. So uh, we're way behind. Yeah, I've been. My wife is like a almost like a doomsday prepper when it comes to Christmas. I mean, like October, you know, the day after Halloween, she's right in there getting all the decorations. And uh, you know, we've got a small attic. I'm not a contortionist, but I managed to get. Uh, all of the stuff down um, had to spend a fortune on stuff that you know I broke shoving into the attic last year um, and then you know all the Christmas shop is done I've got a whole lot of biscuits under the stairs so I think I'm I'm ready to go she goes off and buys for everybody I just uh, I kind of stick my name on the card so to speak stick it down then have a glass of wine Job it's, done. that's it put the old feet up um, so so I mean who do we have with us today then well, Karen, uh, our guest tonight is the host of the podcast, The Opinion You Didn't Ask For, uh, which is Wexford's number one comedy podcast. It's Blaine Hosey. What well, is the crack, boys? How are you keeping? Thank you very much for having me on. No problem. All good in the hood. Looking forward to uh, looking forward to this. So you, you, you said you said uh, Wexford's number one comedy podcast, and you did put in kind of quotations because there are no other comedy podcasts in Wexford. Damn straight. And that's a title I'm very, very proud of. I tell you what it was, was it, uh, me and uh, my co-host Jamie, who is not with us at the moment, uh, he hasn't died or anything, he's just not on the <laughs> podcast with ourselves tonight, but 
the uh, we just set up a podcast there with both musicians, and we decided, you know, feck it, you know, we'll have a bit of a laugh and we'll do something anyway. Because I've been trying to dip the toe into the old comedy world, and uh, pretty much we got this going. And we thought, look, if anything, if we only get like maybe one or two listens a week, you never know. Look, it's, it's more so just to kind of scratch the old creative itch that was going on during the old pandemic, as they say. And pretty much it kind of just took a life of its own on. We started getting followers from all around the globe, even uh, like we have a, a listener out in Tanzania. His name is Juma. And uh, we're actually doing a fundraiser for Juma at the moment, lads. If you want to, you can check out on my thing. Juma, uh, he wouldn't be from a wealthy background or nothing out there. So we, we always get him to do little Vox Pops in a Tanzanian accent of maybe like something you know, uh, something Irish people might say, you know, like, oh, New Ross is a shithole or something like that. You know, something funny, right? And uh, we get Juma to do it. Right. And it's very, it's, it's actually, oh, damn right. Uh, but it's, you know, what was it to say about New Ross? The boom never came to New Ross and then the boom never left New Ross because it didn't come. Uh, but the, uh, no, but with Juma, he does the things. We're doing a fundraiser for Juma at the moment. And, you know, he was doing this for the last couple of months. And he said to me, uh, I said to him, certainly like we could do for you, Juma, you know, and he says, look, my local football team need jerseys. Uh, so we do have a fundraiser at the minute. If anybody out there wants to turn out five or ten or what have you to it, I think we're up to over the 200 euro mark. We're aiming for maybe 550, 600 if we can, just to get a few of these out. Uh, we're going we're gonna to put uh, something funny on the back of many like that. You know, to imagine like uh, the Miro, Miro is the name of the team. I'm not pronouncing that at all right. <laughs> but we think it might be funny to have a few Irish slogans on sponsoring uh, a Tanzanian under 16s football team. Uh, so it should be funny. But with the podcast, it's it's taken off good. We're going good at the moment. Having a bit of crack. We've got some really good guests like yourselves tonight. Uh, how? Uh, not tooting my own horn. Um, but, but no, we're getting on through. And thank you very much for having me on. It's actually great to actually collaborate with other podcasters. I think the spreading the love and getting on and kind of getting a few ideas from yourselves as a vice versa with us, as I'm sure that yourselves would be more than happy to hop on to and for now guests up with ourselves some night if you want. Absolutely. Uh, bar, bar, bar Simon, because he's from Camp Isle. Uh, <laughs> um, but we'll figure something out. Absolutely. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. Definitely, if anybody out there is listening to this and wants to donate to the Tanzanian under-16 football team, by all means, I think it'd be great crack. It sounds like a fantastic fundraiser, so good on you. Um, so um, we're going to open up this week's show then with uh, computer geek and massive ear owner uh, David Murray as he talks like um, this, where um, he says it's um, easy for... Uh, Jesus, people to blame the IT industry and ask, how could we have overlooked this? What is it you ask? Y2K. Jesus, what a sham that was. Uh, Y2K caused worry and confusion across the world, as rumour had it that when the clock struck, clock, clock rather, struck midnight on the 1st of January 2000, the computers in the world would shit themselves and we'd all be cavemen again. What a load of nothing, huh? <laughs> this, is, uh, this is hilarious. This is, uh, I, I, I remember this, uh, obviously, and... Uh, it was like a real worry, a real concern. And then it got to the 1st of January 2000 and just nothing <laughs> happened. It's like, I, mean, I vaguely, I don't remember the whole Y2K situation. I was only eight, but uh, I do remember uh, there was a whole like kind of panic around it. And I remember when there was like, you know, the rumor going around school that, oh, you know, the world is going to end. And I remember standing in a field uh, when the clock struck midnight um, on, you know, like 1999 counting down and I saw fireworks and I went, okay, the world hasn't ended, so what's all this about? But looking at it, I mean, Jesus, like there was a whole lot. Of, I guess it just goes to show how little we kind of knew about 
all the, the internet and computers and the technology back then, but a whole lot of nothing. I think that's down to the actual, the old repression of the old Catholic church, you know, I was Irish for centuries. If we didn't understand something, it was, it was the devil's work. You know what I mean? I had a mate, right, uh, that worked, his father owned a computer shop in Wexford Town. They were from Canada, right? So they moved over, I think it was 94, 95-ish, give or take on that. And uh, in the lead up to the Y2K, he's, because in the shop, their job was to sell laptops and different types of computers. It wouldn't be like today now, where there's all these different add-ons of like, hey man, do you, you want a Bluetooth, this and that? Uh, back then, it was just a case of computer, laptop. Uh, that was it. Or it was, I wouldn't even think they had tablets, but he was saying it was probably the best time and the most successful time for the business because their sales pitch was, you want to make sure that you have your you be computer ready for this new Y2K bug. You buy the computer, and then as the moment that goes into the year 2000, you flick the computer on. Then this is back in 90 fucking eight, like uh, so people are going along and buying computers, stockpiling computers back then, uh, not realizing that you know the time and the calendar on a laptop is it's a perpetual thing. You know this is not it's not going to go away. But as you're saying there, lads, it's, it's just us Irish we didn't understand it. Um, but it was the Y2K, not to be confused with the old Y2J and the, the Raw's Jericho entrance <laughs> by Chris Jericho. Uh, it was a great time. And then he coming out and he's they're throwing shapes with the rock there in the ring. Uh, is the old Y2K bug. Uh, but a good time to be alive, lads. I think, I don't know, it, it just it read down to Irish. I don't know, we probably at the time were a very, very underdeveloped country. Like the boom was only starting to happen. I remember watching that Read in the Years episode today. And, uh, you know, they always say, you know, there's a boom going on when you see a lot of cranes around Dublin. And at the time, just the skyline was littered with cranes. There was more cranes than clouds. Uh, so, you know, the boom was on the way then. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, you're right, people stockpiling computers. I'm sure there's still pl- plenty of uh, of massive CRT monitors somewhere in a dump in Ring and Skiddy or something. Um, and uh, we also get a new TV station as Bertie pushes a button, presumably labelled for reruns of Coronation Street, press here. Uh, TV3 is launched. Yes, the station that has more name changes than John Cougar Mellencamp and less content than your parish newsletter. Um, although I have to say the logo, uh, the TV3 logo, uh it's just it, it really brings back it's a real nostalgia feel but um whatever transition year student they hired to do that logo pretty sure he's proud of himself now microsoft yeah. paint style exactly yeah did we not see this kieran did we not see tv3 being launched about nine years ago <laughs> yeah, uh, i think it was like one of the late 90s late 80s episodes where uh, they gave the license for tv3 and we saw a load of men in briefcases like yeah. happy that they finally got a third tv channel what took it so long to get on the air that's but that you couldn't get more tv3 than that could you like i mean no. you know got the license years ago but oh, should, we should probably do something with this before it expires um i did actually see a very young i want it's not alan cagney it's that other guy that other guy has been on TV since day one. Yeah, I said we saw, I, in my notes I have, we got a quick shot of a young girl on the show again, and your man from TV3 that no one can ever remember the name of. Yeah, because we uh, can only remember Alan Cagney and, I yeah. think, you know, nowadays Tommy Bow. Uh, he, looks, he looks like Buzz Lightyear with hair. Your man, yeah. uh, I don't <laughs> know what does. his name is. But he's into conspiracies, lads. Oh. Well, Conspiracy theories. But sure, why not? We, we love an old, ta- yeah, go for it. <laughs> My conspiracy, because there's going to be plenty of them here now, because this is what my jokes are based on. But I reckon that Martin King was signing on in the Dole office every week for years before this. And then what happened was they needed a plan to get Martin off the off the Dole. So they set up TV3 to give him a job as the weatherman. Remember him? He used to go, oh, here's a picture from Brady there. And it's like, oh, oh there's a wave. Class, wave. There's, I would say, a big happy birthday to Mary. She's four today. 
fantastic. You know, he was doing that. Uh, so that's that's my conspiracy. I have a few more coming up in the show. Uh, of course. You know, so. TV, <laughs> yeah, that's... TV3 was a very exciting time. See, if, if you were like myself and not like the other people where you couldn't afford a skybox, uh, TV3 launch was fantastic. You, do you remember they used to have Heartbeat on during the daytime? Oh, God, yeah. They still do. Still yeah, do on they... Virgin Media. Oh, dude, it's, is that still going? Oh, yeah. Well, no, it's not still going. It's just, like I said, reruns, reruns of soap dramas. Um, I'm, do you know what? It, it's funny because I'm actually, I, I tried to just Google there, like TV3 hosts, Virgin Media hosts, and even Google's forgotten this guy's name because he's just not popping up at all. So, uh, good. Like the know. Mandela effect or something. He didn't That's exist. A, that, there you go. He didn't exist. Um, we're also getting a new thing. Uh, the plans for the Dublin Spire are unveiled. Uh, like, I... What exactly is it supposed to be? Um, Joan O'Connor of the Millennium Se- Selection uh, Panel, whatever the hell that is, uh, says it's wonderful, inspiration, and it'll cast wonderful shadows. Look, it casts a shadow. We know that much. I have a problem with that line. Like, it's not going to be making shadow puppets, Joan. It's just a big <laughs> stick in the middle of the city. Like, well, come, come on. Like. I reckon, right? Now, we're touching back on the Wexford County Council thing. Do you know the way what happens? I'm not sure if it's the same Dublin or whatever, but... Around September, October time, right? There's always a budget that uh, council get every year, right? To go and they have to use it. And the thing is with it, let's just say they have a million to do the roads, right? And if the million's not used that year, whatever's left over, they don't get the same next year, right? So I think it's a little bit like when the spire was being built. You know, you know, like when you were going on like a, a school tour when you were younger and your mom gave you like 10 euros and you knew that you had spend because if you had any change right now when you came back she's gonna be taken off you so you just went into the pound shop yeah. and bought whatever shite you could oh i got a squeezy yoke and there's oh look at this alien its eyes pop out i don't know whatever but like that i reckon somebody went along and said right lads we have x amount in the bush now like, what are we gonna do right you know what we'll do we'll stick a big aluminium dildo into the fucking <laughs> middle of dublin city in the, in the main street yeah class fucking cool grand because like that, it's just and like I, it's not cool like it's it's just i don't get that actual uh it, it's it's stupid looking like you know what I mean. I'd actually would have rather the big stone and camp Isle than the well, spire. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm look Simon. You frequent Dublin more than I do, and obviously the spire has become you know. <laughs> I do. You do, yeah, because like I even have down here whenever I get lost in Dublin, and we know me and Dublin have a strained relationship. Uh, I ask someone where the spire is, and bang, I'm a euro lighter. Um, but like I I don't understand from an architectural point of view what the main intention of the spire is supposed to be because it doesn't even function as like a sundial. That's it. Like it doesn't have a function. You can't go up it. Like you know, like it's not like the maybe tourist attractions you might have been to abroad, where like you can, you know, there's a big arch in St. Louis. You can get into that, or like you know, the Empire State Building or the Eiffel Tower. You can climb up those. Have a look out the top. Yeah. The spire. You just stand there and look up and go. Well, that's a big needle in the middle of the city. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Um, the welder's mask can't actually see the top on a bright day. You know what I mean? Because you're yeah. having to burn out that's your skull. It. The neck yeah. is popping off. You learn to look up there. Like it's just ridiculous. Yeah, look, I don't know. I've never understood it. To be honest. Yeah, the uh, what do we call it when we had Jess Collins on the show? The stiletto in the ghetto. Um, stiletto in the ghetto. Yeah. Uh, and uh, speaking of changes in Dublin, car clamping starts in Dublin this year. Ah, yes, clamping—the old tradition of you can't be there, so now you have to fucking stay there. Um, did you see the bloke on the bike where the clamper was putting the clamp on the car? Like he stopped behind him as if say, hey, what's going on here? Um, like Frank Crowley of Dublin says, this will create a drop from 50% of illegal parking to 5%. Um, but he quotes the 5% as like today. And, you know, as in like, yeah, like, like today now we're seeing a drop to, to 5%. Like, is he out with his calculator 
you know, going, right, he's not on the yellow line, so that's minus 1% there. So obviously, I, I don't get clamping. I just, I see it as completely ineffective. I think clamping, it has, it's something had to be done, Ava. See, you know the way if you park your car up normally and you, you get an old parking ticket from and what have you, and you're like, ah, oh, you bastard, 40 euros over, but you can still drive your car away and what have you. With, with the clamping, you know, it's, it's a case of, Jizz, I definitely won't park there again. You know, I think that's, that's the kind of the point they're putting across. But like, clamp, like, you know, a traffic warden and I know a clamper. And traffic wardens, they get a bit of abuse, you know, they get most of the time it's just, ah, oh, you fucking bastard, why'd you do that? I was only parked up for a minute. This kind of shite, right? Whereas with the clampers, you know, you have to sit and wait there. You have to take the money off the person first before they take the clamp off. And they're like in Limerick, I noticed for a fact that they all have to wear a stab vest. Um, oh, Jesus. Yeah, so you know what I mean? Like, uh, no, I'm not sure how many. I don't have it on record here now how many traffic wardens or, or clampers were stabbed in Limerick. Uh, but I don't know. I'd say at least one anyway. You know what I mean? That that person is like, oh, because of me, they have to wear a stab vest now. <laughs> but but uh, but with the clampers, you have to do it. Like you, like there is a certain level of ignorance when it comes to certain drivers in Ireland. Okay, like you see it on roundabouts every day. Oh, I drive an Audi, so I'm gonna go take the third exit. I'm gonna use the left lane. It happens every day. What? What's an indicator, right? Parking around the place. If it wasn't for clampers, because I, I give them their due now. Here, in fairness, there would be bastards parking everywhere and blocking up the whole shebang. And Dublin's traffic problem is fucking ridiculous. Still, it was only up there the other week. If it wasn't for the clampers, it'd be even taken worse. So I take my hat off. I'm not wearing a hat, but if I had one on, I take it off to the clampers. In fairness, but the amount of money that they would have made since then, as just from oh, clamps alone. Yeah. Oh, but what? What's that? Hundred it's privatized now a lot of it so like yeah. obviously on the, on the on street one i think is still the maybe dublin corporation or whatever but like all the car parks and stuff now so that's the big thing I, like i assume that's the same everywhere around but like all the car parks around dublin and all that like if you're if you're parking too long in a private car park or something like that you'll get you get clamped but yeah I, it's very interesting Blaine he said about that that about the clampers in limerick because i i was thinking like like this obviously only came in in 98. Like, they must quick, how quickly the clampers become the most hated group oh. in Dublin, like replacing culties and charity muggers right at the top of the list. Like, it's just, <laughs> it just like, it just, like, they very quickly become the most despised uh, group of workers in, in, in the city. Like, yeah, like they're not so bad here in, in Waterford because, you know, uh, people kind of, we don't really have that many places that you can park illegally. A lot of car parks, but not places really that you can park illegally. But we do have this one, uh, down in the what's what's affectionately locally known as Little Poland, um, we have this like space between two apartment blocks where there's just an empty courtyard, and there is a guy who works for a privatized clamping company who sits in his car in the courtyard across. And anytime somebody pulls up their car there and gets out of their car, they could even just be getting out to close the door or whatever. Uh, he will literally just walk straight over and just clamp them on the spot. When we moved into an apartment down there years ago. We pulled up the car for two minutes to go in and drop a key and come back to the car and it was clamped and we had to pay him a hundred quid on the spot. He Jeez. was, he is lightning Jeez. fast. Yeah. Lightning quick. So if you're going to be a clamper, be, be a quick one. Um, and uh, up next you mentioned night. Waterford there. Sorry, Kieran. Go go jump in there. You mentioned Waterford there. Is Howdo still knocking around? Is he? No, actually, funny enough, uh, Howdo is currently living in a nursing home in, um, in New Ross, funnily ah. enough. Um, actually, yeah. So, I mean, you've probably never heard of How Do, have you? Uh, no, actually, I haven't. No, although no. if he's in New Ross, I'll, I'll have even more reason to avoid <laughs> So, uh, How Do is a um, he is a local character who may have at one point been fond of the drink, and uh, he would literally walk around town 
his real name is Michael Thomas O'Shea, and he's a lovely man. But he, oh, gentleman. He would walk around town and out of randomly uh, at least a thousand times a day would just scream, "How do?" And <laughs> he got affectionately got the nickname "How do." Um, oh, he's a he's a sound old devil. Oh, yeah. um, ne- never a bother of him. And I remember we were walking, I went out in the beer with the lads one night, we were walking along, and lads were like, watch, watch, watch this. How do? And he goes, do how? Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, so, he's uh, quite, uh, quite quite, the local character. There was a campaign a couple of years ago to get him uh, elected for mayor, but uh, only two out of the three businesses backed. So unfortunately, that campaign didn't go through. Um, and up next, National Irish Bank is hit by scandal. An Irish bank? Scandal? Never. Uh, due to an investigation and dodgy acting and reconstructions by RTE, uh, NIB admits to improperly taking customers' money. Uh, George Lee gives us his rundown, but Simon is our money guy. Uh, what's all this about? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I I thought it was hilarious the uh, the the reenactment uh, where <laughs> the, the comical reenactment of one businessman showing another businessman some paper. Oh, it's terrible! And uh, we knew it was dodgy because the pages of the paper were yellow. Yeah, you can't yeah. trust yellow paper, lads. You know that yourselves. Um, yeah, yeah, so that's I mean that's all that happened here it was basically you know they the, the, they used white paper in the office and then suddenly <laughs> switched it to yellow. And the whole world, the whole world collapsed. No, they 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 improperly uh, used client uh, customers' money, client money, uh, to uh, to uh, to make themselves some profits. And uh, just just uh, interesting that your baby George Lee there said yeah. uh, that the culture in the bank forced the managers to cut corners. And I was like, well, it's a good thing we had this warning in 1998, and everyone listened to it, and learned their lesson, and towed the line from then on. That was a lucky escape for the Irish banking sector. Oh. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we, we, we never had another scandal after that. We were, we were all golden. Um, I tell you, I have just a little footnote there uh, written out. Say, I watched the episode earlier today, just took a few notes, and I have National Bank dash teething bastards. Um, and then I have right underneath, it was just after to start playing uh, that song Say La Vie by Bewitched, uh, the song that's haunted every child's birthday party since. Um, but here's my next uh, conspiracy theory. I reckon that Bewitched predicted the boom because um, they're like in their song they say I have a house with windows and doors I show you mine I show you yours they knew exactly what was going on they knew that the boom was coming and they knew the crash was coming and so Bewitched I blame for the boom not the banks so take it back take it what you pay you want you heard it here first there you go yeah, <laughs> And uh, speaking of which, the boom, cranes, the tiger is alive. Uh, Unemployment is low, while economic growth shoots up to 11%. uh, Record levels for investment as well, while companies like Dell in Limerick expand. Um, It's also a year of booming property prices. Well, yeah, so is this one. Um, A house in Dawkey sells for 5.9 million. Uh, I'll never be, I've never been to Dawkey, but it looks like Barbados. Yeah, so uh, this house, right, is... uh... It's on uh, a road which around the late nineties became known as Millionaire Row, with mm. uh, as you as you might imagine, with this house selling for five point nine million. I th- I think like I was doing a bit of research on this because I I live near Dog. I don't live in Doggy or anywhere near that nice Barbados place, but Doggy <laughs> is not too far from Dunleary where I live. Uh, and, uh What? Inglis. <laughs> Miles away. <laughs> I know, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> My, I've 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 been to Finglas as well though. I I, I, I cover all sides of Dublin. Um but Docky, right? Docky is like uh yeah, like it's just, it's a very wealthy, it's a very wealthy place here. And, and yeah, you drive down the 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 Vico Road and, and uh, roads like that, there's like a coast road that goes out from kind of Sandy Cove all the way down to 
Dalky and Kalini, and it is like being on. I don't know the way. It's it's kind of like a mix between all the houses kind of have like a Californian feel to them. Ah, okay. Uh, including this one, I actually went up to the Vico. Is it Vico or Vico Bats? Vico. Uh, Vico. Sorry. Uh, if you don't know it anyway, it's a little spot just along there, and you can actually see that gaff from there. Uh, yeah. But it's a lovely. It's actually really really nice. If you ever get a couple hours off and you're thinking, Jay's lads, I'd love to fuck myself into the sea and go for a swim. That's the right spot for you. But I will got. I have got to say this. There's the most fancy super value I've ever saw in my life in that town. Um, if you ever see, if you ever go to it, anyway, it's literally like you know super value. It's just you know red fucking sign and white writing and grand you go in, you get your packet of ham and a bit of scallions or whatever you need, right? Whereas this one, it's fucking. You know what I mean? You can just smell the caviar off the place. And there's secondary schools up there have castles outside the front of them. You know what's that? The turrets everywhere. Um, it's actually one of the coolest. It's, it's a lovely looking spot, like. But, uh, you know, you, you feel like an app, you, like, not saying I'm struck with poverty or anything, but, jeez, you feel like you're, you're, you're walking in rags around that spot. Money <laughs> yeah. everywhere, lads. I, you know uh, what I mean? I had a similar experience in uh, Christmas of 2019, funnily enough. Um, my my daughter was on the Lele Toy Show uh, with her dance troupe, and... Um, we uh, we got invited obviously to, to go up now we didn't get to go in but we were you know obviously we had to bring her so uh we went up or whatever and i had to go my wife brought her in the car over and i got left in the hotel and then she rang me was like oh i need you to bring something over and the hotel was you could actually walk from there to to donnybrook to the studio in donnybrook so i'm i'm google mapping it because like you know i've already said my relationship with dublin is quite contentious so i'm google <laughs> yeah. mapping it and I'm, I'm walking through this area and I could not believe the size of some of the houses. But not only that, and I actually sent a voice note to my friends. Um, I was walking through and this guy was out there with a leaf blower. I've never seen a leaf blower in my life. So I like my voice message. I was like, I look so out of place here. Like I was walking through in like a pair of track ends with my hood up. And like I could feel all the rich people looking at me. And your man is out there with his leaf blower. And I'm like, as people have leaf blowers out here, like. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it was just like it was like it was like Homer goes to New York, but you know, in a in a good way. Um, and uh, did, did you I notice? Mean, sorry, before we move on, you know when the we know when the family are talking about selling this gigantic house hmm. uh, for five point nine million. And by the way, the sh- when I was researching this, I was reading a few articles from the time, and the shock of that price, where it's so normalized now, like a big house in Dalky probably goes for way more than that now like yeah um but at the time huge shock but i noticed that the woman who was talking about it was called martine lavery their name popped up on the thing um and she was actually the daughter of the old woman that was sitting beside her that was actually selling it and that old woman looked in the camera at one point and it was like she was staring into my soul <laughs> uh she was that old and that like it's like that father's head thing of like they're closer to god than we'll ever be like, i know she was, what she was you're just, up to she was staring at me from 1998 <laughs> it was very very scary funny enough i think 5.9 million was the age of that woman yeah uh, and, and sorry i did read that the people who bought it were some uh it was a british businessman and his wife but they uh they ended up spending another, another 13 million euro on remodeling it it wouldn't be Ooh. on a minimum wage job anyway for that gaff it's, no, it's, that... it's like something you see in a fucking that uh uh what's his name out in Colombia. uh yes, what's the drug deal like something Escobar would have bought. It, honestly, it's a huge gaff if you haven't seen it at home, lads. It's massive. It's lovely looking, but we'll do up a map for the new year of places that we've discussed that we need to see. So, you know, there's there's this house, there's the uh, the, the stone in Camp Isle. Um, we'll, 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 we'll dot there's the map. There's a big difference between Dalky and Camp Isle. <laughs> that's what has been both a few times. 
Now, just for just for this disclaimer, there, lads. Before anybody actually goes along and says, "Wow, we're gonna we're gonna go take a trip from Dalky down to the Stone and Camp Isle," it's more so just a little thing, you know, like on the route. 66, you know, the big ball of string. If you're going past it, maybe pull in and have a look. Don't go your way to look for it, you know. Yes. Uh, just before yeah. anybody starts writing to me and abusing me for spending 40 euros on petrol to get there. Uh, <laughs> the holy stone of Clon Rickard, like. Yeah. Oh, exactly. You can call yeah. into my auntie. You can call into my auntie for a cup of tea if you're going through Camp Wild. Why not? I've been there many times, man. Arr. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, over on Glen Row, speaking of brr, uh, Dirty Miley is having an affair with the lovely Fidelma uh, in the hay. Uh, he comes clean to Biddy, who calls him a hypocrite in the most iconic scene in Irish soap opera history. Absolutely trumping the uh, leaving you at the altar scene from uh, Fair City last year. Absolutely. Quite- Glen Rose superior in every way, really, wasn't it? It was. And you know what? I'm, st- I'm actually still, uh, to this day, I don't know if you remember, Simon, I got, when, whenever Glen Rose first aired, I want to say like 81, 82, and uh, I was trying to convince everybody, whoever we had on the show, and you said that at one point, after Glen Rowe, the actress who plays Biddy, I can't remember her name now, but she went on to advertise uh, Surf, the, the laundry detergent. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. this, cha And... I am convinced that there was an ad at the time where Mick Lally, who plays Miley, advertised a fake product called Turf. And it was the same style. He was in the supermarket, you know, chatting to women. He had a box of Turf. But I cannot, still to this day, cannot for the life of me find that ad. I will find it. I will find it. It does exist. But, Miley, um, I tell you, lads, was actually one of the first sex symbols to ever come out of the country. And, uh, you know, this this story of when he was getting the old jostle on with Phil Elma, it, it rocked the nation, you know. Because I suppose at that time, as I was saying about the old repression of Ireland and what have you, I suppose putting like an affair and that kind of crack on the telly oh, would, yeah. would have went down like a ton of bricks. Oh yeah, because uh, Mick Lally actually said in um, in interviews uh, after that, he's obviously since passed away, but he had said in interviews that uh, there was times where he was walking down the street and women were shouting abuse at him um, because of what he did to Biddy. Do you know, it's... It's hilarious. The same thing happened to a lot of guys who play villains in Coronation Street and like Dirty Den and EastEnders and all that. It's just gassed that they just can't. Some people just fail to <laughs> differentiate. You know, like I told a story a couple of weeks ago about how uh, uh, Dermot from Fair City, I saw him in town once and he was just surrounded by a gaggle of old women calling him Dermot and t- asking, <laughs> telling him how lovely he was. And, like, Jesus, I, I, I only imagine Mick Lally, like who just seems like he's doing acting as like a day job. You know, he doesn't take it too seriously. He's just like, ah, sure, look, you know, there you are. Typical, like a typical Irish old fella. And there he is just going to the butchers or something. And some owl one with a rain mac on her just starts screaming abuse at him across the street. <laughs> Did you ever look at someone and go, jeez, that lad, he looks like he'd enjoy a pint. Well, you look at Mick Lally and you can look at him and you can think, jeez, that lad looks like he'd enjoy his bacon and cabbage. You know, he has that kind of nook, he has that kind of nook on him, you know what I mean? He has a, that yeah, and a big iron jumper. That's you have it spot on. Um, you know, I always found it weird though because Mick Lally just aged so quickly throughout the whole course of Glenrow that like he looks like he's in his sixties here, and Biddy could easily pass for late thirties. You know, so it's a big. I don't know if he was more suited to Fidelma now, but um, but yeah, it was. I found the whole scene to be quite um. I don't know, forced almost, but uh, you know when he, especially when she's like, and you made a promise to me on our wedding, <laughs> like, and then she puts like plastic tubs in the fucking fridge for some reason. Yeah, just uh, Glenrow, what are you gonna do? Well, and again, it is over. So poor, 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 uh, poor Mick Lally, no longer with us either. They cancelled the wrong soap. That's all I'll say. They did actually. Yeah, that's very true. And I think you know what? I think a reboot of Glenrow is in order. I think it'd do very well. Well, if fucking Sex in the City gets a reboot, Glenrow deserves one. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you have playing Mick Lally then, lads? As maybe a, 
uh, you know, if they were continuing on the characters. Ooh, would, well, would you, would you hmm. stick Jamie Dornan in there? And oh, then you'd Jesus. have Saoirse Ronan going as Biddy. Well, and then uh, Brendan O'Carroll as Mrs. Brown's boy as as, as Fidelma. And, uh, <laughs> get him stuck in, like. <laughs> now that... I for do, you, Miley. For, oh, no, that I'd I, pay the license fee to see that. I'm still not paying that shit. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, a, it's a hard time as well for Bill Clinton. Uh, not surprising as his wife is going around dressed like the vicar at Dibley. Um, he's accused of having an affair with a young intern, Monica Lewinsky. Uh, maybe, no Glenn Ro- maybe, maybe Glenn Rowe got the heads up. Uh, I don't know. He reiterates he did not have sexual relations with that young intern. Uh, these allegations are false, however. Uh, you know, just like Miley, he comes clean. Um, and he says he did have relations and it was wrong, but it probably felt good. Um, I just, I don't understand how we thought he was going to get away with this. Like, this isn't like, this isn't like, you know, I don't know, having an affair and asking the lads not to say that. You know what I mean? Like, this is just, which I don't obviously encourage, but this is, um, it's just, he's the president of like the biggest country, like the most, you know, the powerful country in the bloody world. How did he think he was going to get away with, you know, hammering one into Monica Lewinsky? Well, to be honest with you, lads, this is this is where it boils down to. And this is where my next conspiracy theory comes out of. See, Hillary <laughs> didn't suspect anything at all. But the thing is, Hillary was actually a massive fan of Glen Rowe. And she saw the warning signs there and she was like, fucking hell. And, uh, you know, she saw the way Miley was acting with Fidelma and he was, she was thinking to herself, fucking hell. And then, and then Bill came clean to her saying, I was with Fidelma, I mean, with Monica Lewinsky. And, uh, you know what I mean, giving her the old jostle in, in, the, in the Oval Office, in her Oval Office, maybe. Uh, but, you know, you know yourselves, that's, that's yeah. my next conspiracy theory. I have a few more coming along the way. Don't you worry, the bad <laughs> jokes are still here. <laughs> Hillary definitely saw the signs when Bill decided to put a hay barn in the, uh, in the, in the White yeah. House. <laughs> so I saw it coming and she's like, I've seen this episode. Um, Dropping but... the hand underneath four layers of Aaron jumper yeah. to get the first touch it did. Um, <laughs> But uh, you know what? I don't. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, you remember remember Live uh, LimeWire back in the day, uh, where you it was for those of you who may be a bit too young to remember. Uh, it was basically. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were too young to remember LimeWire. I know. We right? all remember. Uh, yeah, so it was like a program you download or whatever you type. It, you know, then you type in whatever song you want. You download it, blah blah. But there were certain songs uh, that would always would, like. If you were looking for it and like one result came up, you'd be like, "There's probably a dip, but I'm going to chance it anyway." And you download it, and it would take two seconds. And you're like, "This definitely isn't it." You click open, and it was a voice clip of a Bill Clinton impersonator, and he would say, "I did not have sexual relations with that young intern, but I did download McAfee software." And you're like, "Fuck!" Every single time he gets me, bastard. <laughs> Fucking Bill. I've never heard this. Oh my god, no! I swear to God, I'm going to YouTube it now and find it. It's like the Bill Clinton uh, lime, uh, lime wire. Um, yeah, fucking get me every time. Same with the fucking uh, when the killers when you were young came out when they released the album Samstown, uh, and people downloaded off LimeWire. Every like thousands upon thousands of copies that were downloaded was um, it's it was ripped from a radio station in America called K Rock, and when the guitar hits, the voiceover goes K Rock. And uh, yeah, a couple of years ago, I was in my local pub and the speakers played When You Were Young. And as soon as the guitar hit, out of force of habit, I turned to my friend and went, K-Rock. But a fella, two tables over, said the exact same thing. And we both had that Spider-Man moment, that meme where we look at each other, just point to each other. Hey! So yeah, there, there, there you go. That's, that's, how you, that's how you show your age. Um, 
And um, speaking of wrong, but, you know, God, it's bewitched, um, with C'est La Vie, double denim and casual bondage all round. Um, I have to say, move over Mary Harney. I had a huge crush on the one in Bewitched who says, what do you like? Having a clue of her name, but out of all of them, I think that was my first. My first I think that's crush. Shane Lynch's sister, isn't it? No, I think she, wait, no. no. Could, well, sorry, two, like, of Shane, two of Shane Lynch's sisters are in this band. They're the twins, though, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. yeah so this one's the foxy-haired one. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Don't and know she says it in a real Dublin kind of accent. Mm. Ah, why are you like? Exactly. Uh, kind yeah. of on it like that. Yeah, they were, um, God, they, they were, they were unbelievable. I have to say now, they were, they were fine looking women. They probably still are. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they, they didn't really have much success after this, but, um, like, they had the other one, didn't they? Blame that, on the uh, Weatherman. Blame oh, on the Weatherman yeah. now is a tune. That so is actually a good tune. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those guilty. Joy, it's one of those guilty pleasures. There's like these acts that come out in like the late '90s, early 2000s, and they have like everybody goes, "Oh God," you know, but they have one or two decent songs. Like I'm willing to admit, as a full-grown man, Will Young has some fucking bangers, you know. And uh, I'm gonna mute you there now, man. On the on this, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit it. Not proud of it either, but not ashamed to admit it. Um, I tell you, it's the same with Backstreet Boys. If you listen to them, right, everybody's going. Oh yeah, uh, one hit, uh, but if you listen to fucking larger than life, that's a fucking whopper. Tune, there you go. You know what I mean? And 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 I I am afraid to admit it, so I know you don't have to edit that out. <laughs> but, uh, the Bewitched and stuff. I think you know you couldn't get the only thing more Irish than the Bewitched song is is an actual spot. Uh, you know what I mean? Because it has everything in it. And then out of nowhere, the young ones start bursting into a bit of the old Irish dancing. They're oh, Shano's kicking around. Yeah. And, and they secured like... coppers for the next 20 or more years. That Like, coppers wouldn't be functioning if Bewitched Say La Vie had never come out. Oh, do they play that in coppers, do they? Play it in coppers, play it oh. at every, every wedding. It's just it's just a staple. Because all the young ones start dancing. Ah, doing the Irish that's the song to get the nurses going. You know that's what it. I mean? That's it. Uh, so... You get them up to the floor, or every or every one that's touching forty, it works in the max hall garage. Make a chicken fillet rolls. She's like, "Here's that song." She's like, "Oh, it's like when I'm eighteen again." Oh, like that, that tune, that vibe. But this is the thing now, right? Because the nineties nostalgia now, we're we're far enough removed from it that all shame should be removed from, you know, you liking oh. this kind of music or the Backstreet Boys or whatever it is, right? Thanks. You just put it out there now. If you like it, if you like the music from this era, the cheesy pop music, that's fine. The, the statute of limitations is up, kind of. Statute of limitations is go. up. You don't have to be cool anymore. You're not trying to impress the lads uh, when you're when you're 12. You know what I mean. And you don't want to admit to loving to loving bewitched. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I like it. Well, speaking of that, we also had at the very start of the reeling in the year show, we had "Stop Right Now" by the Spice Girls. And uh, now I don't care if you're a fully grown man either. When you hear that tune, you will. It's a little bit of a bop to that song as well. That's why I said it's sort of in there. There's a there's a there's a few good ones now. I have to say. Um, and uh, later on too is the name of the programme as a group of men in suits sit around staring at a small telly uh, get the latest info from Brian Dobson as he says the deadline set by the government has passed and we do not have an agreement who sets a deadline for 2 minutes to 12 that's like setting your alarm for 6.58am uh, like However, uh, eventually an agreement is reached on Good Friday, what would be coined as the Good Friday Agreement. Uh, Bertie says the future looks bright for North and South, Unionist and Republican alike. Uh, the agreement goes to the polls as one young man says, Bertie Ahern, keep your nose out of this wee province. Um, we see the uh, Balcone Street bombers gain freedom while Michael Stone is set free temporarily. Uh, what a hairdo as well, I must say. I'm telling you, that's that's full on mullet like that he's obviously been in prison that long that the mullet is still he thinks the mullet is 
still fat. He was not letting go of the 80s. No, he the, wasn't. The mullet is back, my friends. Have you seen? There's a heap of young fellas going around <sighs> me local town now with the mullet. Yeah. Like there's yes, some sort of Aussie rules player. We've discussed and, uh, it previously. Yeah, it's not ideal. No, it's certainly not. Same with no socks, just shoes. That's... Oh God! How to tell the dick, how to tell you're a dickhead without telling me you're a dickhead, and, <laughs> um, and a shirt that's two sizes too small for you as well, just well, to show off the little bit of ab that you might have. Well, yeah, well, as as somebody who doesn't have abs but certainly does tend to wear t-shirts that are too small, I take offense. Um, but <laughs> yeah, we, we also get the uh, the famous shot of Trimble and Hume and Bono triumphant uh, as peace as hope for peace looks brighter than ever. Uh, a huge turnout of ninety four percent for the yes vote in the Republic and seventy one percent in the North as Big Ian is seen being quite jovial for once, which I thought at the you know the Good Friday Agreement seventy one percent passes in the North. I thought he would have had a stroke. Yeah, I, I was confused by that because I, in the least surprising turn of events since the last time the DUP said no to something, they said no, and they were the only party in either North or South to say no to the Good Friday Agreement. Yeah. So, like, I don't understand why he was suddenly happy that it passed. But anyway, uh, yeah, he it was. Uh, it's like we've been following obviously year for year, Kieran, for the last oh, yeah. twenty nine years. We've been following this this the wee troubles. Uh, so uh, it's it's a nice little um, bow on that and. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be no more, no more trouble no. later in the episode or anything it like that. I'm sure. Day, um, it's the very first time Ian Paisley ever used any other word other than no. He said the word yes. <laughs> John Hume famously said, "If it wasn't for the word no, you would have no other vocabulary." <laughs> uh, to Ian Paisley, uh, John Hume. By the way, I'm just going to give him a shout out. I know he's not with us anymore, but he is a legend of a man. Uh, oh, he yeah. definitely, de- yeah. definitely paved the way for this country. And it's interesting when you look back on times like that. There would have been no other way to achieve the peace other than to do what they did. Mm. Like, you know, if they had a, I'd say, here, lads, here's the, here's the six counties back or whatever. It would have caused more violence and bloodshed as we did see later on in the year. We'll get to that in a minute. But I think it's, uh, we're kind of only really seeing the benefits of it all now in recent years. And then uh, with the whole thing with Briggs, now that's going on as well, you can kind of see there's a little bit of divide start to appear again, but maybe obviously more favouring towards the 32 county Republic. But mm. we'll get into that later. Um, <laughs> Apologies. Sorry, yeah. it's like jumping out me out two cents there. I want to be a part of the show. <laughs> it's, it's certainly great to see the, um, I suppose, everything looking positive and, and even, yeah, Ian Paisley being 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 happy for once. And I think it's uh, it's fascinating when, like, because obviously history will remember John Hume as one of the greats, but I can't remember the chap's name off the top of my head, but I think it was last week or the week before last that we discussed him, the American guy. Uh, George Mitchell. Yes, George Mitchell. The, not the Penguin. <laughs> not the penguin yeah uh george mitchell and john hume like these guys like obviously right like ian paisley and david trimble and um you know all the other major all the other major political figures throughout the troubles and the strive for peace they're all like up front they're the ones on the front page of the paper you know paisley shouting no and you know trimble causing trouble and all this kind of crack and you know jerry adams and martin mcginnis but it's guys like john hume um and george mitchell who were just in the background and they're just they know the way to do it is you know it is to be sitting down and talking as opposed to being out there and marching and and, and all the rest and you yeah know, they, they attended their fair share of marches but they got the job done essentially in the end and yeah. they achieved it the right way and it takes you, you could, like it takes a lot of bottle to keep something but like that on course when I'm sure John Hume was getting all sorts from people in his community about not giving in and not not giving an inch and you know keeping keeping what you have you know and all that kind of thing and not 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 giving in to people like Paisley and or Trimble but he would have been getting it from both sides as well yeah Yeah. absolutely and the abuse he would have been getting and the threats and all 
all that kind of stuff. And to, to, to it wasn't all him, but just to stay on course like that, as, as you say, Kieran, and just yeah. keep things trucking along. And then, then, you, then you see Bertie and Tony Blair swoop in, both less than a year in office, and uh, they swoop in and claim credit for the whole thing, which yeah. is uh, which is a bit of kicking the balls for everyone. It is, but I mean, when you look back on it, like I, you know, we, we as we said before, like we growing up wouldn't have been as aware of the troubles just because we were so young in the thick of it. Yeah. But, but when I look back on it, like, and somebody says, like, if somebody says to me, word association, you know, uh, troubles, and I named, throw out a few names, like, I wouldn't put Bertie Hearn in there. I know he was the T-shirt of the country, but I certainly wouldn't put Bertie in there. I wouldn't put Tony Blair in there because it's so far removed from politics. Although it's a political decision and, you know, everything that kind of followed on was a political uh, issue. I I would I would not associate the two of them with it instantly. You know, um, it, it would be guys like John Hume, uh, you know, and 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 Trimble and uh, you know, and all those other guys. I wouldn't associate the the leaders of the country with it, which is kind of weird to think about because everywhere else in the world, when there's political, you know, conflict and strife, you often think the political leaders behind it. But you know, not not in this case. You, you credit- peculiar to the troubles was the fact that the leaders of Ireland and the Republic of Ireland and Britain were happy at times to ignore it mm. until until it suited not to you know or until there was a bomb in the in obviously in seventy four in Ireland but in or in Britain Thatcher got involved but like mm. you know it suited a lot of prime ministers and Taoiseach to just ignore it and say well that problem is up there yeah and we saw that with Jack Lynch it was that mm. that problem is up there and we're just gonna you know leave them to it and tell them to sort it out so. You know, but it, yeah, I just thought it was funny that the two lads were, were were in doing the joint press conference, and I was like, "You two have been here about six days." Yeah, it's 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 like the um, you know, when you see like people moving a couch, and there's like you know one person on one end, one person on the other end, and then there's that guy with one hand on the end of it in the middle. Uh, you know, that's what they were. They were like, you know, you're not helping. You know, you, we could do we could do without it. Um, and uh, up next, uh, former dictator Augusto Pinochet is arrested in London. An extradition is, uh, attempt is made by the Spanish judges to face charges of torture and murder. Um, tears and protests as one protester throws a Molotov cocktail. With one heck of a shot, he gets it right under the truck. Fair play to him. <laughs> it was good knackers. Didn't say where that was or anything. I assume that wasn't in London. Like, I assume that was somewhere else. Yeah, it didn't. I mean, didn't really <laughs> like maybe that was in that Chile way. or I don't know where that was. But uh, yeah, I, I I know nothing about this. <laughs> I, I actually left. I actually omitted that from the uh, from my footnotes on purpose, so in the hopes you mightn't bring it up. Because <laughs> I I haven't a clue Pinochet at all. Like I've heard of him in chats or whatever that, but I, I wouldn't even be able to comment on it. I wouldn't have a clue yeah. about the guy at all. I know he. I know he. He, he was a, a, accused of a lot of uh, you know murders and things like that back in Chile, uh, particularly in the seventies. I think I told the story of the. <laughs> The stadium in Chile where they rounded up opposition and just killed them. Mm. The football stadium before, yeah, um, that was Pinochet. But uh, I think this was like it finally catching up with him. But like, I don't know anything about this particular incident. To be honest, I think he had, yeah. he hung around. He was under house arrest. I read the only thing I read was that he was under house arrest after this for eighteen months before Britain eventually handed him over to Spain. And uh, I actually don't know what happened after that. He's, he's dead now, but well, I don't know what happened. After that. <laughs> moving on, um, and uh, <laughs> let's just all agree that section didn't happen. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. We'll, we'll gloss over it. Uh, you know, it didn't happen. There you go. Um, World Cup 98 next, and we see the debut of perhaps Ireland's most iconic trio, Apre Match. Um, of course, in the action, we see an incredible run by Michael Owen and a cracker of a shot, um, give England a goal against Argentina. However, the real drama is off the ball. 
Um, so David Beckham is creased by Simeon uh, and play is stopped. Beckham lashes out um, and get, he kicks the Argentinian and is sent off uh, as the match heads for a penalty shootout. And you can't get any more 98 than those graphics keep in score. Uh, a saved penalty sees Argentina through to the quarterfinals. Um, I, looking back on it now, like that red card was totally unjustified. I get that Beckham Absolutely. shouldn't have lashed out, but Jesus, red card was a bit dramatic. I tell you with that, I think that's part of the reason why a lot of fans around the world, uh, like obviously, you know, it was totally stupid, but like I think the rule book basically dictates, you know, you can't you can't touch another player uh, in when, when it's off the ball or anything. Tap, tap on the legs a bit Simeone didn't even feel it but oh, yeah. it's part of the reason why as well a lot of people don't like the English supporters because um, even after this there was like effigies of David Beckham like it's not it wasn't on the reading of the years but there was like effigies of David Beckham being put up in local towns being burnt and stuff um, yeah. this kind of thing you know they, they're, like, they really have the reputation of being bad winners and sore losers and uh, I think it was really sad but in that sense but when you were t- speaking about uh uh, Michael Owen there like you know, that was the definition of a sad career that guy got a few injuries and it totally derailed him altogether because you see how excellent he was at that World Cup even in the build up in the games too like, he was only was 18, 19 at the time yeah, yeah. and he was banging yeah. in goals for fun like and then obviously then he got the big move then to, to, to Madrid then uh, not long after but obviously his career didn't amount to much from there due to injury and then uh, Beckham but I will got to, I have got to say though if you ever had to define 1998 by a haircut David Beckham's would have yeah. definitely been there the absolutely state of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like he really was but like he was kind of the trendsetter I suppose you know and um, like yeah no what you say about Michael Owen is actually quite true like he, he's a Liverpool legend yeah, England legend Liverpool legend and then when he came back was I think it was when he came back from Madrid and he joined Man United and it all oh, the wheels just fell off it and then somebody gave, had the bright idea of putting him in punditry position and oh. he said, didn't he say something famously like uh, the team who often scores the less goals loses or some shit like that? Yeah, yeah. he's he's very, uh, he's a kind of a combination of like monotone and makes very obvious statements like that. Like, yeah, if uh, you know, it would help if they score more goals in the opposition yeah. or some shite like that, you know, yeah, it's just very, uh, just, just not very uh, interesting. Funny enough, he, 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 he was kind of, he's kind of like the... I, I can't remember the, who the third guy in that match was playing. Obviously, you had uh, Bill O'Hurley and Eamon Dunphy, whoever the third guy was. Kind of playing a parody Elite. of Frank Stapleton. Frank Stapleton, yeah. But that's pretty much what Michael Owen is. Like, you know, oh, I made a, I made a diary. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just <laughs> ch- <laughs> ch- ch- chiming in with absolute nonsense. But you know what? I have to give it up to the guys for Apre match. I don't know if they're still going to this day, but that used to be one of my favourite parts of watching international soccer or Champions League when it was on an RT2 and they'd cut to Apre match after. And to be fair... Even if it is, even though it is a spoof of them, Bill O'Hurley he loved that. He absolutely every time he'd introduce it, he'd be like, "Right, we'll hand over to the lads now." And I just, I loved it. I thought it was pure genius. Yeah, they're brilliant. Them. And it was so fresh then, like that kind of that kind of impressionist comedy. Uh, and you can see their influence now because you would see a lot. I mean, you guys have been involved in comedy, like you, you see a lot of. Um, people on so uh, on social media now, comedians who do impressions. Yeah. You know, they're impressionists here, there, and everywhere. Some good, some some not so good. But like, they're those guys are influenced by Apre Match and along with Mario Rosenstock. Like, they're the, they were the two big ones at that time, yeah. and Apre Match were the first ones to do it to get the platform on RTE was brilliant. And mm-hmm. they were they were going up until they definitely did the 2018 World Cup on RTE. They weren't 
on the Euros this year, which was which was disappointing. Yeah. Um, but they've literally they were going for they were going for twenty years there, and uh, I saw them live maybe three years ago, and they were still they were still they were tuning up for that World Cup. But just before that, they had kind of a couple of quiet shows to kind of get ready for that, and uh, they were brilliant. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know their names actually, their, their actual names, but Irano does Eamon Dunphy. I just think he's got the movements down pat as well. He's just the facials and everything. He's just absolutely brilliant. Um, Tell you about I, that guy. He left his wife for a young one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> still my favourite television moment of all time but my, my, the match there uh, Bill O'Hurley he was actually on the Late Late Show and he was uh, he's saying he was, he was, like as you were saying there, he's speaking about how you know he, he likes the lads and all and uh, he said he turned to his wife one time he goes I don't, I don't sound like that the way and the wife was looking and goes oh you do <laughs> that's like okie doke <laughs> okie doke my favourite Dunphyism of all time um, is when he was accusing when he goes Harry Kill uh, Harry Kill is, is fat he's he's fat and he's a clown Harry Kill is a fat clown <laughs> yeah. he, well, he actually yeah, he did he, and then he goes he's a fat clown Bill for the world to see which I thought was a brilliant uh, a brilliant <laughs> It was kind of a more recent one as in like the last 10 years where uh, Dolphy was going mental and he was like, you know, uh, was it like Hernandez or, or Fernandez or something? He was like, he's ridiculous. He's throwing himself around at edge. And Bill O'Hurley was like, Hernandez isn't even playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just brilliant. And um, Dolphy used, uh, used to actually go out on the town after like um, he, he literally go out in the beer. And uh, then we, like, when, what was it? You remember when the World Cup two thousand two? I think the one we qualified for was yeah. Yeah. Um, and Dunphy used to go out in the beer the night before, and he'd go straight from Lily Bordellos or wherever club he was in, <laughs> straight to do commentary. And it was the famous one where he turned up absolutely blitz. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Studio, but uh, Eamon Dunphy's he, he's he's a lovable rogue. Uh, I think he's hilarious. He's he's like uh he's like what would happen if Mick Lally went off the deep end, um, and uh, <laughs> France would end up meeting Brazil in the finals, where Zidane, arguably one of the greatest players of all time, scores two, and Emmanuel Petit, name you don't hear often that much these days, uh, scores one to give France their first ever World Cup. Um, I don't know about you if you remember this, but I certainly remember that pound shops everywhere sold those cheap footballs with a sticker on it that said France 98 yeah <laughs> I remember like the cup champion balls yeah, yeah, yeah the real champion. light ones so you kick yeah. them in the air on a windy day and they're gone <laughs> yeah <laughs> actually I don't know if um, you have a what, what, what Wexford background and everything but um, down here we have an expression where if I kick the ball and it goes over the fence you can't it Do can't you? it yeah, no, do you, you don't have that expression. It, it must be a real Waterford thing because it actually kind yeah. of, it, it kind of, um, I suppose it's its legacy is cemented in those balls where, you know, you like you said, you kick it on a windy day, it's gone three houses down. Um, yeah, you kick it and you'd be like, you're after canting the ball. Uh, <laughs> don't know where canting came out of, but, you know, that's that's the word we use. Um, never heard that one. Yeah, there you go, new one for the vocab. Um, and, and we see a sign which reads, Wanted, fair share of the Celtic Tiger, as Gardaí strike for better pay in what is called the Blue Flu protest. The Garda <laughs> Commissioner says the community's reaction will outweigh the benefits of a national sick day. Um, I've, I've always been fascinated by what would happen like if the guards went on strike, because obviously you need a police force. You know, you need the Gardaí, like you need the ambulance service, you need the firemen. Um, so like, what happens if they all go on strike and there's a big bank robbery? You know what I mean? Who's going to, like, if they're all out in the street protesting, surely a robber is there going, hmm, now is my chance. Yeah, I tell you, my opinion, it's says work away in the banks as they've been 
robbing us for long enough. Well, <laughs> so if you're if you're brave enough to go for it, go for it. Um, thing with the blue flu that was a one-time thing, mm. uh, but I think there's been another variant of it since. Um, it's called uh, spread out to the teachers of Ireland, and it <laughs> happens every year, once a year, where the teachers go on strike. That's the teacher flu, and so they're always out striking and giving out. How dare they get five months of the year off and get full pay? Um, so <laughs> better conditions with the Gardaí. I don't know. Let's be honest. Like it's, I think back then it wouldn't have been as bad as it is now. I think there's an awful lot more drugs and that kind of crack yeah. going on nowadays. I think a lot more violent crime. Like you'd often hear of a, a shooting and that kind of thing going on in Dublin every day. Uh, someone, oh, geez, someone's been stabbed to death or what have you. But back then, like really on on the whole, it would have been most of yeah a field of sheep after getting out past the gate there now, lads. Can, can you round up Tommy there to go get them back in? Uh, you know, it wouldn't have been yeah. that fucking bad back then. No. But, uh, especially these days with closure, closures of guard stations as well there's uh, slightly a lot less of them as well um, and uh, next Iraq is bombed to shit as the UN continues Operation Desert Fox in the hope to find arms in the Middle East and topple Saddam um, of course the running joke for years to come would be that the UN Secretary for Defence Hans Blitz um, his name was Hans and he was looking for arms Ahem. Um, and after that, there is a stiff topic next, as the wonder drug of the 90s is released, Viagra, uh, from Ring of Skitty, of course, where Pfizer uh, and the People's Republic of Cork are satisfying the world's needs. Um, Viagra, of course, are helping ailments such as erectile dysfunction. Uh, I hosted uh, an erectile dysfunction anonymous meeting once. Nobody came. But um, but um, yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> Simon, like that one. There you go. Yeah. One of your better ones, girl. Thank you, Joe. thank you. Um, and uh, journalist Dara O'Brien, not the comedian O'Brien, um, says this will become the recreational drug of choice. I've honestly never seen anyone walk around the nightclub with a massive hard on. I don't see it being recreational. Dara, <clears throat> looks like he already takes it. Look at it there with the slick back hair, the shirt open. Like this is the lad off the rugby coverage. <laughs> he presents our Ortiz rugby coverage now. Oh, does he? Yeah, yeah. This fella, he's no hair now. You wouldn't recognise. Oh God, I've got a good... yeah. Jeez, I've got yeah. a... That's that's good... him after rugby. George that's him. Hook, isn't it? But uh... remember, remember George Hook. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> George Hook's young. You remember uh, George um... Hook doing? Uh, he was doing the uh, what you call it? Uh, the impotent adverts, and he was saying, you know, and he was talking about it's like, you know, I struggled to get this, and this miracle drug helped me out. You know, because uh, remember he was talking about impotency. And that's what it is, isn't it? When you can't get it up, uh, impotent, isn't it? That's it. For me. I don't know. I have a, a few cogs in my brain turning, but none of them are switching on. Uh, yeah, but George Hook was thought was 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 the, was the advocate for that, and uh, he was explaining then about the about the the benefits of Viagra. Now, I'm not a marketing manager or anything like that, but out of all the people in the world that you could have got uh, to tell you about the benefits of Viagra and the vitality it will give you in your in your romantic life and uh, pleasures. I don't think George George Hook would have been the best fella for that. And it would even, in fairness, like not not that they had any problems or anything like that, but surely you could have got some fella now that maybe was of an average size and uh, didn't have a face on him like a book of the squash Lego. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, like I know I actually know one that worked for him as a as a personal assistant, and uh, she she didn't have very many savoury things to say about him. He's meant to no, be an awful fella. Yeah. And, he... uh, He's a, he 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 more struck gold with the uh, the Sky Plus you know years later where it's like pause rewind. Um, funny enough, I, I, accident, I accidentally <laughs> ran into him uh, a couple of years. Well, God, two thousand eight. Um, outside the news talk van, and um, you know when they say somebody inhales food, 
George Hook like inhaled a 99. Uh, like one of the lads spotted him and ran up to get his autograph and he signed, somehow signed it while, like, I mean, hoovering a 99 into him. Um, and, you know, he was just making the typical George Hook sounds of brum, 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 brum. and like, I don't know how he didn't choke on the cone, but, you know, there, there you have it. Um, and um, up next, we have U2 with the sweetest thing. Um, the song slash video was actually an apology from Bono to his wife, Ali, after he was caught cheating. Um, fun fact uh, for you, as we see a fireman. Um, sorry, that was the fun fact, rather. Fun fact, as we see a fireman and the Artane boys band and a sock puppet, uh, among other things. Things. So yeah, there you have it. Um, not a Robbie of, Collins as well. Yes, that I couldn't think of his name. I could not think of his name. There you go. Um, he was in a uh, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Was it or was it was a snatch? I think it was snatch. One it, of them anyway. He was the yeah. doorman. He's like, he's aren't fucking coming in, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. It was it was it Kenny Egan's manager. He was. Who's... Um, he was, but he was a, he was a good boxer back in the day himself. Maybe it may, maybe yeah. Um, he went on to kind of coach somebody, but I can't remember who it was. I think oh, it was Kenny Egan. He beat Chris Eubank in the. Yeah, that's where he's most known for. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of not a, not a <coughs> well-known, uh, publicized thing. But yeah. I thought he only like forgot her anniversary or something. Was he actually cheating on her? Was he? The legend has it. Uh, like I said, it's not dirty devil. It's not what kind of. Well-known. I heard he was looking at Miley and Fidelma going at. Uh, it was all the rage. It was all the rage, man. If Miley was doing it and Bill Clinton was doing it, she may as well. So ninety-eight <laughs> was the year of infidelity and infidelity and impotence. Um, oh, there, damn it! I missed a joke to say Miley was committing infidelma. Um, wow! There you go. <laughs> You're sharp, boy. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, no legend has it that Bono had a sort of a thing on the side with Patsy Kensett, of all people. Um, so maybe you know, look, I that's what I heard through the years. Uh, you know, not not from Bono's court or anything, but that's that's what I heard. Um, it could be. I'll have to. I'll, I'll correct myself if I'm wrong, and I hope I don't get a cease and desist letter from. Uh, yeah, YouTube. allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Yeah. There you go. Um, and back on the Garavahi Road now. Uh, as you know, this is worse than Vietnam because this is coming up every year. Um, it just keeps popping up. The loyalist violence erupts as tragically three young boys perish in a sectarian arson attack. Uh, Reverend William Bingham says a walk down the Garavahi Road would be a hollow victory as it would be in the shadow of three coffins. Again, just when it comes to the trouble, they always say the ones who give the orders are not the ones to die. Um, three yeah. young children perishing in, in a sectarian attack. Which is just... yeah. it, it was nice to see loyalists <laughs> take the spirit of the Good Friday yeah. Agreement and uh, just accept the decision not to let them march. Oh, no, wait, no, wait, vicious rioting and uh, yeah. firebombing Catholics. That's that's brilliant. There you go. The thing um, with war is that you, you wouldn't mind if two fellas went out into a field and were shooting each other and blowing each other up, but an innocence like that is uh, are caught in the crossfires. That's that's when the problems really it kind of hits home to you. Mm. Like even when you're watching the news now with different problems abroad, that's what kind of really you're looking at and you're going, which is not just relaxed. Like you know what I mean. Whatever mm. you are fighting for is worth that. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Um, and uh, Lieutenant Edwin Creens, I guess, uh, of the Beverly Hills Police Department announces the arrest of George Michael. He was given 80 hours community service for engaging in a lewd act. He flashed his Mickey to a cop, basically, in a jacks. Um, yeah, the, uh, the way that George Michael tells it is that he was in the bathroom minding his own business when a man came in looking for a good time um, and pretty much seduced him. And when George took his manhood out, um, the cop went, ha, I got you. And yeah, that's kind of why he got off so lightly with uh, 80 hours of, of community service, which I did find it a bit tongue in cheek that um, they were playing George Michael's Let's Go Outside. <laughs> yeah, they've got real. Uh, 
I actually listened to that song care. after on the way back from the Santa Yoko was that earlier. I was listening to that song on the radio on the way back because that is an actual tune. Let's go outside. <laughs> but when you listen to the lyrics, though, it's, you know, it sounds like it would be a great song to advertise, uh, you know, I don't know, Tourism Ireland's, you know, nature trails. Like, let's go outside. Why not? But no, it's actually a song about like I've, I'm after having sex everywhere I can in my house. Why don't we do it outside? So dirty, yeah. dirty George. Just I should give it a quick Google um, after it. Sorry to interrupt. I gave it a quick Google and it was actually a very interesting time for it because at the time, homosexuality and kind of any kind of matters of the LGBTQ plus were still kind of being put under the covers and it was still seen as, a, you know, it's a terrible, awful look rather than my attitude towards it, which is it's none of my fucking business what to do, you know. And, um, you know, obviously maybe not outside or in a public <laughs> area, but you know what I mean? Do what you want, but... It was very interesting because it was starting a lot of debates for people on, you know, well, you know, obviously he did this and all, but, you know, really when you look at it, the question that was being brought up in the media at the time was about his sexuality more so rather than the act. And yeah. uh, people were starting to go, well, you know, well, what's, well, what's wrong with him being gay? You know, what's, what's, what's the harm with it? And I, tell, I will tell you this is uh, George Michael was a good old devil. Uh, after his death, the story came out that he was watching Deal or No Deal one day, if you know this story. And, uh, well, it, this happened wait, while he was still alive, of course, uh, because you, know, you couldn't do it posthumously. Uh, but he was watching Deal or No Deal one day and there was a woman on it and she was wanting to get the money to fund IVF treatment for herself. What happened was, I think she only ended up getting a few quid. There's not much in it. Mm. But he kind of seen her story and he said, I, w- I want to help her out. So oh. he rang up the, at the TV studio and got in touch with her. And he paid, he said, I'll pay for you guys to get IVF treatment until you have the baby. And uh, but he made them sign non-disclosure agreements so they wouldn't tell anyone. But it only came out after death um, that you know they had they actually managed to have a baby after, and they called the baby Georgina after. Ah. But uh, I think no, he just he, he seemed like a good dude. He had a couple of tunes back in the day, yeah. and wham, they're all over the radio at the minute because uh, it's Christmas time. And it's like <laughs> <laughs> I always go for the high bits in that tune. It's a yeah. fucking a whopper. Yeah. But speaking of lewd acts and toilets, uh, <laughs> there's a big yoke. You might know about this, Simon. Not that I'm insinuating anything, but um, that MS up in Dublin, there's a fella every week getting caught having an old Tom Hank in the toilets up there. Yeah, there was there was <laughs> a case. There was a case a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, in court. No yeah, fucking so way. It's 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 the Marks Spencer's. Is it Mary Henry Street? Well, you know where it is. Is it you? <laughs> anyway, I'm in there every week, but no, it's a, it's it's a popular meetup spot. Uh, I suppose similar to this bathroom that George Michael was in, and uh, yeah, there was a fella in court the week who uh, similar situation actually. I think he was he was stung by an undercover cop. Oh god! Uh, having a having a as <laughs> Blaine like, puts it, having a Tom Hank. A bit like the cop in uh, a bit like the cop in South Park. It's like, yeah, we're gonna catch these guys using prostitutes, and he's like, he's end up, he, yeah. you know what I mean? He's kind of like looting them in and all this kind of thing, and he's like, yeah, I'm having sex with them right now. <laughs> but uh, I don't know don't be going to MS lads for your shopping and like, anyway that's all I say I mean where's the marketing team right now like they should be putting up this isn't any glory hole this is an MS glory hole <laughs> 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 oh I think that'd be just a perfect that's that's wow I did not know about this that is fantastic so I'll be making sure to stay away from any Marks and Spencers um and uh, the uh, Tour de France comes to Ireland this year, which attracts big crowds around the country, despite allegations of drug taking, you know, maybe Viagra recreationally, who knows? Um, yeah, it still goes ahead. Um, I'm not well versed in, in, in the Tour de France, but 
The name Tour de France would insinuate to me that it is a tour of France. And the last time I checked, Dublin is not in France. Um, so is it just a tour of the Tour de France? I, I don't really, I don't really was, know. A bit of bit of Wexford knowledge for you here now. Um, there was a battle that took place uh, in 1798 um, when certain sections of the country decided to take on the British, uh, most notably in, in, a, in a Scorty. So it was right. in different places around the place, but... Um, in Enscorty, it was the famous battles, you know, where they, where they managed to actually win some some of them. But what they did was it was 200 years since the, the, there was a battle. And one of the leaders was a guy called Theobald Wolftone. And he's named the, Wolf, the band the Wolftones are named after him anyway. Oh, yeah. But he was French. And uh, that was that was basically it. So he would have had ties to Ireland and decided to bring over the Tour de France to Ireland for the, do something special for the 200th anniversary, oh. if you want. That's why I brought it. But um, if you're looking at drugs and doping and all this, there is no way in hell that everybody in that race is not doping. If you ever look at any kind of documentary, it's a very good one on, on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's still on or not, but it's called Icarus. If you ever get a chance to watch that, it's, it goes into doping and what have you. And these guys are clocking up hundreds of kilometers a day. You're doing this consecutively every day at a very high pace, may I add, because uh, you're trying to win this and you're doing it and then I suppose the famous stories Lance Armstrong comes oh, out yeah. later on. And then Lance Armstrong's story was on it. Yes, I did dope, but I still won my I still won them tournaments because everybody else was doping. And it brought the whole thing on, okay, well, you know, he, he probably is he's a hundred percent right in that he did win the races because everybody else probably was doping, but they could they didn't catch anybody else for that. But is the stories of lads getting blood transfusions and stuff to try to get the more oxygenated blood back into Jesus. themselves. And weird looking shit. If you ever wanted something interesting to Google, just type in cyclist legs. And oh, I've seen on, them. And some of them, lads, it's after a race, literally, you can actually see the muscle fibers through the leg. It's it's so, it's, oh. And uh, the lads that be doing it on the bicycles, here's another rotten factory, is they wouldn't have time, you know, to pull in if they needed to go to the toilet or anything. So they wait till they're going through a tunnel, a tunnel. And then they're uh, pretty much relieving themselves, not ones and twos as they go. And um, the stuff in their pants with newspapers and what have you as well to kind of lock out. And anyway, that's rotten. I won't go into any further. Sorry. Lovely. <laughs> well, do you know what? In saying that, this here brings me to our this week's pop quiz. So, um, what I want to know this week um, is so, Marco. Pantani, I guess you'd call him. Uh, he won the race overall. He was given the yellow jersey that year. Um, now, what I want to know is, what was his time in total to the nearest hour that he did the whole thing in? So, uh, I'm going to start with Simon this week. So, if you take a guess, what was his, you know, I don't know how the Tour de France works. So, he was given the yellow jersey because he, he cycled the fastest and he has a time next to his name, which I mean, probably means he was good at it so what was the um, what was the closest in hours to the total time that he cycled right well okay so i looked at the i i did, I did research this uh the race not in this level of detail uh but i remember there was around 20 something stages and it's 21 or something like that, yeah right okay and i see they're all different like i was like i don't know uh, I'm just gonna say he did it in uh, 107 hours. Okay, 100 flat. I'm gonna say he did it to the flat. second. To the, yeah, just for the crack. 
why not? Uh, so Blaine, if you were to take a shot in the dark there, uh, to the nearest hour, how long was he on the bike? I, I thought what the Tour de France has done as an average, let's just say someone does it in like the race in like four hours and then the next day they go out and they do it in like four and a half hours and then what have you and then they do an average kind of time. I thought that's how they work it but I, then again I, I'm not going to lie to you, I don't follow cycling yeah. as intently as I would the likes of soccer or rugby or what have you. Um, so I'm going to go down the opposite scale because you say a hundred and something hours, I'm going to go for a bit, bit cheekier, I'm going to go six hours and then hope for the, hope for the best. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, in saying that, don't hold it against me. I haven't a clue other than the fact that there's actually Tour de France monuments around Wexford, and that's what that's how I know uh, about that. Yo, can you, Bobby? I'm yeah. not having a clue. So go for it. Hit, put me in my misery. Okay, so um, I can tell you, like without a doubt, uh, Simon is definitely the closest. Um, right. you know, the, the the time that he allegedly did it in uh, closest to the the closest hour was 93 hours. So that's I think it's kind of like. That's how you know how long he was on the way. I have no fucking idea how the Tour de France works, so we're just gonna say fair play to uh, Marco Patanti, whatever the fuck, for being on the bike for ninety three hours. Fair play, son. Um, so, yeah, uh, but actually, you know, it's more relevant to say fair play to the person who came last because they would be on the bike for like I don't know two hundred <laughs> hours. Actually, that's actually right? quite true. That's fair. You have some. Fair. You ever? Uh, you ever like uh, myself? I wouldn't be cycling too often, but you ever go along and say, right, I'm gonna go for a nice little cycle today, and then you might go cycle for half an hour, an hour. And you get off the bike, and your arse is in fucking oh, yeah. bits. Uh, yeah. You're literally just like fucking hell. You know what yeah. I mean? Was I, I in the toilets with George Michael? Very <laughs> bad joke. I cycle on the regular uh, to and from work every day. I spend about an hour on the bike, and uh, yeah, that, that the more you do it, the more you get used to it. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely, I, to- I totally agree. I, that's why you should invest in one of those uh, silicone-filled seat covers for from deals um only about a fiver definitely worth it um so that brings us to our latest segment so uh simon what have you found in the twitterverse for us this week simon's favorite twitter page okay so um i've I've, I've gone for something a little bit slightly different this week uh this i've i've I've, i think the last one we did was the queen the parody page of the queen and it sent me down a rabbit hole of parody pages uh of individuals and the one that i've settled on for this week which i really i probably should have saved it for the 2000s but i just i couldn't wait uh it's nadine Coyle. that's N-U-H-D-E-E-N Nadine Coyle uh, Nadine at Nadine Coyle now which is a parody page of uh, the singer Nadine Coyle from Girls Aloud um, which is written entirely in like a Derry accent oh. uh, <laughs> 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 so I can't do the accent but uh, this, this I picked it as well because it's still going because a lot of these pages have, like were like around seven years ago and then some whoever was doing them gave up because they're quite hard to maintain. But this one has uh this one has uh, has kept going. So uh so <laughs> it's just written in a dairy accent. I don't know how, how to explain it. I'm gonna I'm just gonna try and read it out right and just see how that goes. So um on November twenty first, um Nadine was watching an audience with Adele. Uh, I don't know if either of you uh, watched yeah, that. I didn't, did. but I believe it was a, a, a an intimate uh, TV show with Adele promoting her new album. But anyway, <laughs> Nadine Coyle wrote, "Commission, commission, an audience with Nadine, ye cowards." Uh, <laughs> At ITV, and then followed up with, "Imagine an audience with Nadine, though that'd probably just be a, just be an hour of me dodging glass bottles from Cheryl, which I just thought was 
fantastic. Um, so, uh, no, your so, accent is pretty good. I give you credit yeah, for that. I watch a lot of Dairy Girls. Uh, oh. So, Nadine Coyle, that's N U H D E E N, uh, at Nadine Coyle now is the uh, is the Twitter handle. And um, it, uh, <laughs> like, you just have to read them. I can't even do it. I can't do it justice. Uh, a lot of them are memes as well, which is, uh, which is even better. Um, but uh, if anyone's ever seen Nadine Coyle, by the way, uh, saying flower on uh, on that bakery oh, yeah. show, has anyone seen that? Where she goes yeah. flyer and they don't flyer. know what she's saying. Yeah, flyer. There are some uh, there are some uh, some tweets <laughs> some tweets about that. But there is uh, she's tweeted out on the October twenty fifth, twenty twenty, so last year. Uh, she's uh, she's tweeted a, a gif of you know when Nadine Coyle was caught yeah. uh, caught with the whole passport thing. Spoiler alert coming up and. I don't know the 2002 episode, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's actually in reeling in the ears. Um, and it, the gif is just her at the time smiling, and the narrator just saying, "Nadine still seems confused about her date of birth." And Nadine Coyle has tweeted, "I honestly think I was showing symptoms of long COVID in 2001." <laughs> oh my god! Oh. There's another page actually online. If you ever get a chance to check it out, it's a lot of these no context pages. So you might get like no context Eddie Hearn or what have you, but there's one it's called no context Tyson Fury. Uh, if you ever want to get a check, check that one out. It's very good as well. Uh, you know, there's a picture of Tyson Fury hitting the heavy bag uh, in the gym. And it's like a picture of me whenever I visit uh, home base and I see the bags of compost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> me for no reason or whatever. And uh, uh, some of them are very good there. I won't go into too many of them. You'll have to just watch them yourselves, but they're very good. <laughs> No, I have to say, fair play to you, I'm finding Nadine <laughs> just I'm reading some of the stuff now, and it's just absolute. Ah, oh, it's absolutely priceless. I, I, how you find these things, I'll never know, but I'm I'm impressed nonetheless. Um, and um, up next, um, Michelle Smith gets caught allegedly doping again and is banned from international competition for four years. She states the motive is to deliberately to ensure, or the motive is deliberate rather, to ensure she does not compete at the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. Um, so obviously we saw this, uh, was it was last year, the year before last, where uh, there was the high speculation of, you know, hey, you're definitely on drugs. And she was like, no. And then this time they kind of went, yeah, you are. So you're not going to play with the other children. Yeah, she basically tampered with her urine sample or that's what she was found guilty of, that that she spiked it with alcohol. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> I guess I guess thinking that like if she poured a bit of whiskey into it, it would kill whatever <laughs> drugs were in it. But, so she <laughs> oh, technically, as we said in 96, she was never actually found guilty of doping. She was just found guilty of this at a later date. Uh, so she still has the medal from 96, but yeah, she was. I mean, she was dead right. It was it was obviously an attempt to make sure she didn't uh, she didn't represent Ireland at the Olympics again. But because uh, it was it was one of those things. Like I even remember it. Like I was what eight going on nine this year, and I remember uh, like the the feeling on her was like everyone knew she was doping, but. You, it hadn't been proven uh so i guess that this was just a way of doing it It was kind of like we're just kind of yeah banner for four years for something that it that'll show her for as long that'll show her. rio ferdinand only got nine months that's true he did i think uh, the thing is with the doping as well that it could be such a wide thing on it wasn't it remember john jones and we know he's not the best example to be using but wasn't it that he took a viagra uh good thing it was on this episode as well but uh, didn't he take a Viagra and it showed up in a system and then he, he was st- said there was some sort of stimulant. And then there's some other uh, fighter or something. She had a, a burrito of whatever they were using to feed the animal before they killed it. Oh, showed up in the meat and then that spiked in her blood. And they're saying, yeah, there's something there. So 
you know, it's something it's such a wide fucking yoke on them. Oh, uh, yeah. On drugs testing, and it's it's getting like you'd want to make a hundred percent sure that there's nothing in. Like, remember, like even there's a video there of Tyson Fury after his uh, after the second fight with Wilder, and he's on the he's at the press conference, and, so, and he's like, can I get a someone hands him a bottle of water, and he's he picks it and he's about to drink it, and he goes, no, no, take it back, and he tells one of his own team to go get him a bottle of water, yeah. just in the off chance of someone would spike his drink. Um, little things like that, you know, it's so so cutthroat, but uh, little things can spike up on the, these things, and you know, it could ruin your whole career in a second. But no, she definitely was taken through. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, but no, I would say no doubt. But you know, the Olympic Committee have clearly made up their mind there. Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> up next, we're at we're slowing it down, slowing it way down um, as traffic congestion increases. Uh, we're warned things will get worse. And yes, yes, they have. Um, <laughs> this is exactly what Blaine was talking about at the start of the show. Uh, the traffic congestion, particularly in Dublin. Yeah, it's it's still as it's still as bad as it ever was. Um, and uh, also, the next Irish soccer players are heroes this year as the under sixteen national team win the European Championship. Sixteen uh, year olds looked a lot more thirty ish than they do today. <laughs> <laughs> True, they look fucking rugged, like. Um, and uh, Brian Kerr is the real hero though because his under 18s win as well in Europe um, I did see I don't know if you know more about you know soccer than I would I did see a young Robbie Keane uh, there somewhere was there any more famous faces there that you may have yeah, seen yeah there are there are one or two so so in the under 16s team uh, you had John O'Shea was in there oh. uh, I think uh, Waterford Man Kieran and yeah. uh, uh, Liam Miller if you remember Liam Miller who sadly passed away uh, quite young um he uh, he was in there as well, and then in the under 18s team, uh, Robbie Keane, you're dead right, was the star man. But they had Richard Dunn uh, in defence, I think, as well, alongside ah. uh, Jason Gavin. A lot of it's it's but this is it's this is what's amazing about this achievement. So obviously, as you said, Brian Kerr is a hero, leading both teams to success. Like these are the only trophies Irish teams have ever won. Mm. Uh, so like, and to do it, tw- you know, within a couple of weeks of each other, actually, yeah. and then also. Um, to, to do it with teams that weren't it wasn't like fair enough the under 18s team had like Robbie Keane ended up being the, the, the best goal scorer we've obviously ever had and, and had Richard Dunn who was a, become a legend but like you know there isn't they weren't chock a block with like you know eight or ten players who would go on to be top top class uh, you know players in the premiership and, and, and with Ireland like this but a lot of the names if you looked at the squad lists a lot of players didn't make it in England came back to Ireland that kind of thing um, so to, to win against some of the, the powerhouse teams, I mean, the, the, the under-18s beat Germany in the final, the under-16s beat Italy. Like, these are teams that are always up there, um, yeah. you know, and for Ireland. Like, we don't even qualify for these tournaments really that much. So, like, to, to win them was... Uh, was uh was amazing. And there's a great... There's a good uh, documentary about it called Care's Kids, which... Um, uh, what's Air Sport did um, oh, yeah. sh- shutting down, but it was one of the very few good things mm-hmm. they did was uh, one of the was this documentary, but uh, uh, where they interview a lot of the the, the old players, but uh, and Brian Kerr, uh-huh. and they just go through what happened and, and how he how he kind of created this uh, this, and also I mean they they I think that that under eighteen team went to the under nineteen World Cup the following year or whatever age group it was and came third. Oh. Uh, sorry, the year before ninety seven they came third and they went to the 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 World Cup in 99 and, and were knocked out on penalties in the second round but they were uh, they were a really good team Damien Duff played in, in those tournaments he didn't play in this one I think uh, as well as that to, to say Brian Cares went on to have a fantastic commentary career uh, oh. one of his, one of the famous quotes was and I, and I would say this because I had to Google it but uh, there was a case of that um, they 
somebody even was saying it. Jeez, I think the referee's picking on Marrow and Fellaini. And uh, in Fellaini, if you don't remember, he had a big kind of black afro oh, yeah. and a hairstyle. And then Brian Kerr comes back in and he goes, the ref is probably picking on Fellaini because of his hair. <laughs> I remember playing football with a guy with a skinhead. The ref was always picking on him because he was easy to spot. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, Brian Kerr is absolutely hilarious. Um, oh, yeah. Seems like a good dude though as well. Uh, kind of felt he'd like to go for another point anyway. And uh, go crack. Yeah, I uh, I met uh, Brian Kerr when I was uh, when I played underage soccer when I was about eleven. Uh, when I played for Bowes, and uh, he came down to kind of just I suppose have a look. I guess you could call it scouting. Um, and he signed all. It was when he was Ireland manager, and uh, he kind of you know signed a few autographs. But I couldn't help but notice that he never opens his eyes. Um, he's just got that very very squinty, yeah, very, very squinty. But um, so anyway, you say Brian Kerr and his hilarious commentary. I don't know if you've ever heard of Tommy Smith. Um, he's a very, yeah. yeah. Um, he's he 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 lives in America. He does commentary for some of the ESPN games, and he's a, he's an old Irish gentleman. Kind of reminds you of Michael D. Higgins a bit, but there's a very famous um a very famous scene. Uh, well, not scene, but uh, clip where he's he's commentating on one of the games, and he's talking about a player who needs a bit of motivation, and he says, uh, you know, yeah, no, that fella could do with a bit of jizz in him now, and um. <laughs> They, they, they cut, his co-commentator goes uh, okay and he uh, they cut away and they come back and Tommy Smith goes oh I just wanted to say that you know where I'm from jizz means a bit of get up and go you know it's just it's it's just gas these these things don't don't translate abroad um, and uh, up next an absolute sea of people in Slane next as Robbie Williams supports the Verve in what looks like an amazing show um, God what I wouldn't know like it's mad to think that Robbie Williams was the support act at Slane but you know yeah it's it's crazy when you see where he went but I suppose he was just on the up here yeah um, and the Verve were at the height of there that's true I've only had like four that's tunes fair. though yeah yeah not being, not, not being smart like and don't get me wrong four fantastic tunes what was it Drugs they must have been cheap work. lucky man uh, Cha- not champagne supernova what's that one uh, uh, bittersweet. in uh, bittersweet, bittersweet symphony, symphony. yeah and there was like a one or maybe one or two more, like, but you know, I mean, like, they're big, like, but yeah, I never, I never kind of one of the bands I remember they played at Oxygen years ago, if you remember that. Oh, yeah, and I remember REM were on, and then the Verve were on after REM, and I was like, like the REM supporting the Verve on like the Saturday yeah. night of Oxygen, I was like, that doesn't add up, like, but some reason they have this massive fucking following, like, like Robbie Williams, fair enough, and. Um, not his biggest fan, but he had a couple of tunes, you know, yeah. rock DJ and that kind of stuff later on. But and Angels, of course. But the Verve, I couldn't get the. You know, they announced a gig for Slaying now, and it's like, oh, Guns and Roses, Metallica, uh, Chili Peppers, whatever it is. It's like if someone said to me, "Oh, the Verve are playing Slaying," I'd be a bit like, ah, "No, your granddad's a. Uh, I won't know. Maybe yeah. if they're playing in Camp Hill, maybe. Uh, but not down. Not yeah. Slaying. Oh, yeah. They. Oh, yeah. Beside the, the Rock. The yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they uh, yeah, Slane is a bit of a weird one because I went to Slane and I think, oh god, I want to say it was 20, maybe 2050, I'm not sure, but um, it was the, the Foo Fighters were playing, and um, nice, yeah, no, like, yeah, I was at that one, that was good, yeah, but but yeah, and it was kind of weird because they had like they had the Stripes, the Kaiser Chiefs, Hosier, and Foo Fighters, but not in that order, and it was really weird because Hosier was fucking hot at that time like everybody loved hosier and it was like you know yeah ladies and gentlemen here's the stripes okay yeah they're a young band like they, they'd probably be a great opener and then it was like yeah ladies and gentlemen hosier i was like what so you're putting the crazy chiefs on right before no fuck this so yeah it was it was kind of a bit all over the place to be honest um to be fair slain i think it's the kind of thing you do once and you probably don't go again because it was just i don't know if you've ever been on that walk from like the turnstiles <sighs> up. oh my god 
what a fucking and to be honest i left just before the full fighter finished because there's only so much guitar solo i can listen to <laughs> <laughs> but um so uh, up next uh, john glenn goes back into space at 77 years of age not a hope on a job by not a hope if they turned to me after i'd been into space and i was 77 and they went would you like to go back i go fuck no did he use his free travel pass <laughs> yeah <that's true. laughs> wouldn't fucking surprise me um and uh, in the opposite direction in terms of age we see the cores with so young they really were the band of the 90s at this stage they've um, been on every episode for the last like three or four weeks they did it well like it's these are the most uh well-known songs uh you know and um i don't know what year breathless came out but i'm pretty sure they'd probably be on next yeah you know, the next they're year. definitely on once once more at least but they're yeah they're look they were good to look at they were, well, and, then, yeah. and then jim went off the rails as oh yeah, that's poor, yeah. Old, poor old jim i know in fairness and he makes some good points Matt. um <laughs> But I tell you one thing, I, I probably would have been going crazy as well if, if my four sisters or whatever like that were that fine. Jesus Christ, every one of them were a looker. And then imagine, like, you know, how would you put it here? Jim was like the always the odd one out. You know, you had oh, yeah. these three fit birds, right? Uh, just so happened to be all related. And, and, and then Jim. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Girls, you can go and form a famous pop group as long as you bring your brother with you. That's, that's, what, that's what their mouth was saying. <laughs> that was it. And then it's like Jim kind of. Jim was trying to be like, you know, that kid in school that, you know, maybe doesn't quite fit in, but tries to find their own little niche. Like, you know, oh, you play Dungeons and Dragons or, oh, this and that. Or, or Jim is like, hmm, yeah, they're, they're tampering with our water for mind control purposes. <laughs> uh, you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and uh, in the hurling, the backdoor system rears its head as awfully get in and face Kilkenny. Uh, fun fact, I was at this match and it's the first time I ever saw my dad swear. Um, he's from Kilkenny and it, things didn't go their way. Uh, so the language of him. Um, <laughs> Blaine, are you a hurling fan? Oh God, I am. I, I yeah. am. Um, this is our worst nightmare here, awfully against Kilkenny. <laughs> Fine. Oh, you can imagine. But in saying that, there's nothing as bitter as the rivalry between Wexford and Kilkenny. No. Um, like in other way, in the Six Nations uh, with the rugby, you know, if Ireland can't get the Grand Slam, if they can win the tournament, and if they can't do that, if they can get the Triple Crown, if they can't do that, if they can beat England, you know, it's it's still it's still a victory, right? Mm. Um, or it's a decent campaign as long as you at least get the victory in that. But for Wexford people, if we can't win the All Ireland, we go for the Leinster. And if we can't win the Leinster, <clears throat> but we beat Kilkenny, still a victory, right? Yeah. Because uh, dating back to there was seventeen ninety eight again, lads. Here's a bit of history for you. Uh, 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 Wexford uh, there's big rebellions happening across Wexford mainly in Enniscorthy and we actually asked for assistance from the Kilkenny tribes uh, to go along and they could help us out and there was gunpowder that was they were going to be supplying to us to help us kind of fight off the British at the top of Vinegar Hill and Owler and what have you and what happened was the Kilkenny people had pissed on the gunpowder so, so if you actually ask your dad about this now he'll probably tell you about it but that's why whenever you're at a GEA match between Wexford and Kilkenny, you always hear uh, the Wexford people call them powder pissers. And anybody that's from Kilkenny that moved to Wexford, their nickname is always Powder. Um, <laughs> and you know what I mean? We're not wants to hold a grudge or nothing, but, uh, oh. uh, but you know what I mean? There's, there's the, the bitter, bitter rivalry that, and that's why we always maintain why Kilkenny were so good at hurling. Uh, because, you know, while you were out playing hurling, we were fighting in the ditches. Ah, so there's yeah. a bit a bit of local rivalry isn't that the truth Blaine you need to stay on every week yeah. I'll be, be your history correspondent I'll be like that old dude in Pawn Stars you know, the guy with the big beard and the shades and it's like yeah man this is a piece of wood that dates back to the 1560s that Christopher Columbus had as part of his ship 
and they'll tell you all this big fucking backstory about it. And it's like, yeah, this is worth five bucks. And <laughs> I'll be that kind of guy for your show. Very good. Um, I don't like being oh. ganged up on, so moving on. Um, <laughs> and uh, in the football, Galway play Kildare as they lift the Sam Maguire. Um, and up next, then, uh, we knew it was coming, uh, and here we are. Uh, Oma, County Tyrone, an IRA bomb detonates, killing 29 and injuring 300. It's the worst terrorist attack in the history of the country. Uh, one priest recounts seeing a baby dead at the hospital as he fights back the tears. Jerry Adams says what happened here is wrong and indefensible. Among the visitors is seen as Bill Clinton, as he's seen shaking hands and waving. He says it's high time we tell these people that we are through with hate. So I think it goes without saying that the Oma bombing is probably the most famous incident in probably the history of the state, I'd say. Um, it's just synonymous uh, with the troubles, synonymous with the IRA. And it's just, there's no, like Jerry, like Bill Clinton said, uh, or Jerry Adams said rather, it's it's totally uh, indefensible. In um, like I have, I suppose, strong connections with um, the the Christian brothers because I did a summer camp for kids when I was younger. Uh, I was a leader in the camp and it was all associated with Edmund Rice, the Christian brother, whatever. But the summer camp itself started in Oma because it was started as like a, basically to show children that, uh, you know, yes, there's a lot of trouble here. Uh, and it was started directly after the Oma bombing. But it was like, yes, there's a lot of trouble here, but let's 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 go live your childhood and forget about that. And through that, I actually met a lot of people who are from Oma and a lot of older people as well, who would have actually been uh, like one, one girl in particular who I met many, many years ago. Uh, her name is Honora, lovely, lovely girl, um, but was actually in the town center when it happened and has told us many times the stories of the things that she saw and all that. And it's just, there's no other word to describe it other than absolutely horrific, really. There's nothing I could add to it to be honest. Other, other than what you just said, one of the like I actually forgotten about it uh, until I was watching the program there, and it's the first. It was the first time kind of watching real in the years there that uh, it kind of gives you a bit of a lump in your throat. Even at the time, I, I wouldn't have fully understood it, but when you're hearing about it when you were studying it in school, and then uh, you're you're hearing about it, it's very hard to fathom that that only happens a couple hours up the road, yeah, and um, and not so long ago. Yeah, it's when you think about it. I mean, it's it's what it's it's nineteen ninety eight, so that's twenty three years ago. It it doesn't seem like a whole like we've obviously moved so far from that now, but it just I don't know. It's so uh, like I totally agree with what you're saying about getting a lump in your throat. Like when that priest was talking about what he saw at the hospital, that was that was really hard to watch. I gotta say, um, yeah. you know, it's it's just. Ah, it's just it, look, it's just tragic and of course well, I don't know if you've, ever, if you've ever seen that famous photo of uh, I think it's an American or Spanish, Spanish tourist think, yeah. yeah where he's, he's taking a photo of uh, <clears throat> he's taking a photo of a father with his child on his shoulders and um, the, the there's a car about five feet away from them and that was the car that had the bomb in it and uh, I think the god I think the father and the child survived but the, the photographer didn't and it's just like we've seen over the years when we're watching these episodes and reviewing them, the damage that these bombs and the IRA and, you know, sectarians and everybody can do. But I mean, this one is where I think even the IRA kind of went, fuck, I think we've gone too far. Um, and I, I'm not well versed in it. I'm right in saying that the people who create, who perpetrated it were never caught. No, they weren't. So, so, so they were, um, they were the real IRA, which is a yeah. splinter group. And this is why, this is why it's significant that, 
this is the first so we've seen a lot of bombs here in the, yeah. the time covering the all the really in the years episodes obviously but uh, this is the first time you've seen Jerry Adams denounce one uh, from the from the that was from the IRA side that's really significant in the context of the Good Friday Agreement and 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 the the process that everyone was on um, so this wasn't a sanctioned you know the the IRA I mean that 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 IRA was kind of gone at this point in terms of like they had had their ceasefire in ninety four they'd splintered and this was a, a one of the splinter groups who weren't prepared to give up uh, you know as they saw it uh, so this was this was them but I think what happened was. They put this bomb there. They actually wanted to bomb the courthouse and could uh, topically again for this episode couldn't find a parking spot. Uh, didn't want to park illegally. It clamped obviously, so they they moved down the uh, moved down the road a bit, and that's uh, that's uh, that's that's where they parked. And what happened was they, they there were some warning calls made, but uh, they weren't clear about where the bomb was. So in the end, they evacuated some buildings near the courthouse, but it was actually the car was further down the road, so everyone around there was obviously in the in the crossfire um but yeah just uh just as you guys have been saying this is this is one of the stronger episodes as you know i'm a, 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 a reeling in the ears obsessive and i've seen all these episodes a million times this is uh one of the stronger endings in terms of the emotions uh that it that, yeah. it, that it stirs up um from the, that priest who break anyone's heart you know just 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 telling this telling the story of, of what he saw in the hospital and then bill clinton's little speech at the end which doesn't seem like much but you know, just it just yeah. it just kind of sets it off on a on a kind of a note of defiance, um, really of like we are not going to let this you know we're not going to let this derail us. And you can imagine in the context, this is August. The Good Friday Agreement is signed in April, and 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 the referenda in late May. So you're not too far away from them, and this is obviously a big blow to that. And this people saying we're going to stay, as we said about John Hume, we're going to stay on the process, we're going to yeah. stay doing what we're doing, and we're gonna we're gonna come out of this. And like you know, as as Blaine said earlier. Brexit has kind of threatened to derail that a bit, but up until then, you know, things things were working somewhat. Uh, uh, I think the uh, we're we're never going to return back to a time like that, though, which I think no. we're all grateful for. I think that yeah. there's a lot of the hatred that would have been for on like let's read about it. The vast majority of this would have only been small sections of the communities on both sides, and uh, that obviously spoiled the fun for everybody else, you know, under calm and peaceness. I don't think we're ever going to get back to times like that because I think a lot of the the hatred and stuff would have been bred out. I think it's very good time. Uh, it, it, we're living in great times at the moment. That's to be an Irish person. You know, we're a peaceful island on the most part. And, uh, you know, Gandhi once said, there is no path to peace. Peace is the only path. And I think it's very true when it rings, when it, when any problems or anything like that, any sectarian issues or what have you, uh, there's no point in fighting. That's just get on with things and talk about it if you need to. Exactly. No, fair point. Um, so as we wind down today's show, then uh, what we usually do then is we'll go around and discuss uh, if we were to take any three people from tonight's episode and bring them to a dinner party, who would they be? So I suppose, Blaine, to give you a flavour of it, I'm going to start with Simon. So Simon, if you were to pick any three people from this week's episode to bring to a dinner party, who would they be and why? Okay. First man in the door is John Hume. Uh, we've had him before. I think we've both picked him clear in a bunch of times, and uh, probably every time he's shown up. But uh, Blaine said it actually unprompted earlier on the show what a legend he is, and he really is. And we both have spoken about that before. Um, he's also probably not going to show up a huge amount in the next no. few years because, thankfully, as we've been saying, we we move on a bit and we don't see uh, the troubles in the news all that much. So uh, we're going to get John Hume in for one last, well, one maybe not the last time, but but. Definitely, yeah. maybe the last one for a couple of years. Uh, so John Hume's in. I'm also going to bring Brian Kerr. We spoke about Brian Kerr and how uh, how uh, what a nice fellow he seems. Uh, him with his squinty eyes, uh, he'd be 
great crack at a dinner party. The stories alone he'd have, I'd say, would be unreal. And it's obviously a big sport and football fan. I definitely have Brian Kerr in there. And then the last person I'm going to bring is actually, I was thinking about this, and I'm actually going to bring the fella from TV3 where we can't remember his name. Martin uh, King. Oh, no, no I, you meant the Buzz Lightyear with hair. Buzz yeah. Lightyear with hair, yeah. So Martin King, I remember the name of. And I'd have Martin King, but I don't think he featured. So I'm going to bring the fella from TV3, no one can remember his name. I have Googled his name, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to call it out because I'm just going to see if anyone remembers it. Uh. But, uh, but uh, he's, um, he, I just feel bad because you see Gronny Shogun, but that's Gronny Shogun. And I'd obviously bring Gronny to the dinner party, but I actually think it'd be better to bring, uh, to bring Buzz Lightyear with hair. So he's in. Fair enough, fair enough. So, Blaine, if you were to pick any three people from this week's episode to bring to a dinner party, who would they be? Oh, it's a tough one now. I, I would have went for the three cure, uh, three cores bjors, but then I said, you know what? I'm always up for a bit of divment. So what I do is I would have went long, got Miley, Fidelma and Biddy in ah. for dinner. And then I would, have, I would have set the cat among the pigeons. And I said, I'm going to step out there for a minute now, lads, or I, I get something going. So how's the marriage going, lads? And I'd, that, and I'd set it off then and I'd sit back and I'd have a now laugh. But if I couldn't do that, I probably would have got maybe one clamper and I would have got him to clamp Brian Kerr's car. Uh, and, and then I would have I would have got John Hume in then to mitigate between them. And Brian would be talking about the bald headed clamper and the clamper would be like, I'm just doing my job here. And then John Hume would be like, come on, lads, relax now. Uh, I won't lie to you. I haven't really thought about my answer too much. As you can tell, I've given you nine people there, I think, in total. Uh, but but uh, I'd, I'd be whoever be the most... Anyway, uh, we'd have the crack, but maybe if I just had to pick one person, then it would have been Martin King off the weather, and would have get him just. I would just drive around with him in the front seat of the car with the window down, commenting on places around. Oh, ho, there's a camp <laughs> island. Oh, there's a stone there. Hey, and uh, got him going around with that. I love it. I love it. Um, <clears throat> if I was to pick three, it would be Robbie Williams because uh, I, I just I actually love Robbie Williams. I do enjoy his music. Um, you're one from Bewitched. Oh, Lord. Um, and John Glenn, because, I mean, going into space at 77, the shit you'd see. Um, so that is going to do it from us this week. Um, so if you want to keep up with what we are doing and uh, linking, uh, definitely this week, linking Nadine, um, we'd follow us on Twitter. It's at R-I-Y-E podcast. Um, be sure to keep an eye out for all our new episodes. Um, I suppose this week, of course, we've got the, you know, we have Blaine on and we're going to have him back next week, uh, which I'm looking uh-huh. forward to again for 1999. Um, so it, look, it is coming up to Christmas um, so things I guess are going to be a little bit scattered so we're obviously going to you know we're not working on Christmas Eve fuck that I'll be in the pub um, so we're You're here yep indeed on the boys. So we will, uh, of course, today being the 10th slash 11th of December. Uh, next week, we're back with Blaine on the 17th. We won't be back then until the 7th of January because, you know, it's Christmas. So um, be sure, of course, to keep an eye out anyway for our upcoming episodes. Again, follow us on Twitter. Keep an eye on your Spotify. We'll, we'll pop up when we pop up. Um, so a huge, huge thank you to, uh, our, I, sp- I guess, our resident historian for all things Wexford, Mr. Blaine Hosey. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Thanks very much for having me, lads. Uh, I've had a thoroughly good time tonight discussing matters of 1998. Uh, I've gotten to know the two years very well. Um, you know, it's pity about the, the old Camp Hoyle link, but it got us a few laughs over the night. Uh, thank you very much. And many more next week. There you go. Oh, many. God. I, I'm gonna have a whole week to stew on it now, lad. Don't you worry. <laughs> Take a trip down, Blaine. Be... Take a trip down during the... are you in are you west for town? I'm not. I'm in a place called Bunclody. They're very, oh, very oh, yeah, uh, fair enough. We're the Bunclody. first. We're the first. Ah, it's a bit of a trek then to come down. We're the first Mr. Price in Ireland started. 
I'll have you know that. Was it actually? It was because I worked in Mr. Price in Waterford, which was one of the smaller few ones. And uh, the people who came down from Bunk Lodi to help us open up the shop did not shut the fuck up about the fact the first Mr. Price opened in Bunk Lodi. Yeah, well, you know, I really, really hate career people like that. I remember because I actually went to, uh, I, I got my, like, I lived in Limerick for years. But when I came back to Wexford, I needed a job. And the first place to get a job was TK Max. And uh, same thing like that. We actually went to work up in the Arclo store. And, uh, you know, people are just talking about their career. Like, oh my God, TK Maxx are so good to work for. You get like a 10% discount off the clothes. And you're like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. Just, I just want a wage and go home. Like, anyway, I know what you mean, but we can have a discussion about that now next week on next week's topic. Absolutely. And, uh, we'll, I'll give you some facts about Bun Claudia or maybe some more Wexford County Council facts or what have you. So I'll throw, I'll, I'll dig up a few more bits for you, boys. Good stuff. Um, and as always, thank you very much to Simon for joining me again. Thanks, Melchior. No problem. So, yes, it's late in the evening. It's nearly 5 to 11. It's way past my bedtime. Um, so I'm going to go now and go edit the show before I, you know, fall asleep into a wine coma because I've had a full bottle. Um, so thank you very much out there for listening. We'll be back next week. And as always, keep on reading. I get down from the treehouse